Ponytails Podcast. Here we go. everyone andres here and i am the host of the ponytails podcast we're back at it again going through this july series uh if you're if you've been with us if you understand now we've actually started recording these episodes prior so we can get them more uh prepared now we promise we don't edit them so everything you're seeing we just recorded live and everything you're about to see is a live recording of the conversation that we have with our guests the only thing that's changing is it allows us to kind of prep you guys a little bit more for the episode. So we recorded this one in June. If you're listening now, this is in the middle of July. If you're a book kid listening, well, get to the next door. What are you doing? Um, if this is your first episode, welcome to the Ponytails podcast. Let me run you down a little bit about what we do and what we're doing. So about a year and a half ago, Nick Tiverti and I started the show and uh, we just did it as a hobby. We thought it was a cool idea to talk to people who did this crazy internship with Southwestern Advantage. Now we're not affiliated with the company itself at all. We're not. We're not in any way like employed by them um, or anything like that. But what we do is we interview the kids or the now adults who left the internship and are doing really cool things. And so uh, what we get to do is ask them about what they're up to, and then they get to share some of the fun stories of going door to door. Now. These people went door to door, well, I guess myself as well, but we went door to door for 80 hours a week, Monday through Saturday. We're talking eight in the morning to like 10 o'clock at night sometimes, sometimes even earlier than eight, uh, doing all sorts of different uh, crazy fun executive exercises in the mornings, getting ourselves jazzed up and then going door to door, selling educational books to families to help them with homework. And they did this in different parts of the country. So I was going to school in Nebraska and I ended up selling up in New England and so on and so forth. Now the company has been around since, you know, 1868. So it's been forever. Uh, and so there's a ton of people out there who did this whole thing. Some, some of them for one summer and they had a brilliant or terrible experience and some of them for 10, 11, 12, 13 summers. And they had a brilliant or terrible experience. We don't care. All we're here for is to ask them about what they did and how they did it. So Hope you guys enjoy the show. Again, thank you for being here on the first one. Or if this is your first one, uh, make sure you guys subscribe uh, in the button right here below. And uh, you can check out some more episodes. We have hundreds of them, over 130 at this point, if you're listening to this one. Now, a couple of shout outs. We do alumni shout outs because all of our partners, all the people that have poured into us are people who all sold books. So who you're about to hear. Not just from our guests, but you're about to hear about what uh, some other people are doing uh, all over the country and all over the world. And those people decided to pour into us and support what we're doing here. And so uh, a quick shout out to them. First off, I want to give a shout out to my buddy, uh, Will Metcher. Will is one of my good friends from my time selling books door to door. And he's currently working with Southwestern Consulting. Now, one of the things I enjoyed about going door to door was that I got to change people's lives in a positive way. I hope I did anyway. And that's kind of what we all stuck around for is was to help other people have the great experience that we had as well, even though it was challenging. But uh, the cool thing about that is we were college kids teaching other college kids stuff that they wouldn't learn until, you know, 30s, 40s, 50s, and if at all. And so I, there's people I've met. In fact, I was just at the doctor today and I'm like, man, if you would have sold books, you would have just been much better at establishing rapport and making me feel more comfortable about sharing my health stuff with you. Uh, and there's people that never learn this stuff, but that's what Will gets to do is he gets to teach people 
exactly that. So um, he is one of Southwestern Consulting's top coaches, and he's looking for people to work with him. So if you like the idea of helping others and helping them have uh, a clearer picture of what they're doing and kind of inspiring them to do better in their life, reach out to Will. Reach out to us, and we get you in touch with Will. His team is growing, and everyone that's he uh, has had work with him has earned a six-figure income. Uh, it's phenomenal as far as an opportunity goes. And so if you guys want more details on that, let us know. Reach out to us. Uh, message us below. Leave a comment. Find us on Instagram. Send us a DM, and we'll put you in touch with Will so you guys can uh, you know, uh, maybe look to work with him. Uh, another shout out over to Elevate Wellness. And this is a little bit of an announcement too. Again, if this is your first episode, for sure, listen to this. Um, we are going to Mexico in Cancun, August 15th through the 19th to Bizzler. We're calling it Bizzler. So if you sold books, you know you know what the Sizzler trip was. We're doing it Bizzler because we're better. So it's better, Sizzler. And that's going to be August 15th through the 19th. It's any alumni and their spouse, even if they didn't sell, sell books, um, is invited to come. For details on that, there's a link below. Just click on that. There's a whole 16-minute video that you can watch with details. I think it's 10 minutes now that you can watch for details. Or even below that, there's another link you can just click on. Get on and get signed up to come with us on August 15th through the 19th. We are going to have a blast here uh, in a little over a month. So super excited to be out there. But in order to get ready to get our bodies in shape and look fit, F-I-T, not P-H-I-T, in order to look fit, uh, we are working with Elevate Wellness. Now, one of the, I just did my chest workout today and my arm workout today. Woo, it's been a burn. I love it. I, I used to do my old high school workouts and I thought that was going to get me all in shape. Nah, these guys really took care of me as far as my coaching goes at the gym. Besides that, uh, at the, in the kitchen, I was eating like garbage. And honestly, I just kind of needed a little bit more of a direction because I didn't know what to buy, even though here in Portland, everything's very organic and everything's really nice and healthy. I wasn't doing that. I wasn't doing the right things with my meals. And so these guys also guided me that way. But more importantly, they, they kept me accountable. So it, I didn't fizzle out right in that February after the resolution, right? I kept it up and it's been a really awesome thing to see. I feel fantastic. My health is great and I'm looking forward to being ready to be at Bizzler. So if you guys want to shout out to them, if you guys want to learn a little bit more about their program, they have a fantastic community of people working with them. A lot of them are book people. So it's a really cool environment to keep yourself motivated. Um, elevate your life and your mind and your body with Elevate Wellness. Call us. We will get you in touch with them so you guys can get fit. Um, and then last but not least, Cardinal Senior Benefits and uh, with Quentin Roberts and Pedro Vega. So now um, one of the things I love about working with these guys is they put their money where their mouth is. A lot of companies that you hear in the world, especially in the insurance world, talk about freedom and flexibility. But at the end of the day, you can kind of be held captive by the availability of your clients or, you know, the time harvest of time in the industry. It's kind of hard to get freedom that way. But with Cardinal, because of the demographic that they serve and the ease at which you can kind of get your leads uh, from instead of cold calling them, you can kind of mold your schedule to work around what you do personally. So it's a pretty diverse set of agents and they all have dramatic, dramatically different situations in their personal lives. Some are married, some are not. It's a variety of stuff. So for example, Jessica Chappell, she sold books and uh, Bridget uh, Dugan, formerly known as Bridget Nicholson, you know, they're able to make a pretty good living while keeping their family as their number one priority. They're able to crush it and they have a solid six-figure income working 15 to 25 hours a week. They're moms. Uh, but then you got like Pedro Vega and Quentin Roberts, Quentin Roberts, and they're making six-figure incomes, but they started doing just selling, and then they, they've been able to transition to the recruiting and training, uh, and they're working about 30 to 45 hours a week, so that's a different situation. But then you got people like Sean Brifo and Greta Huerta, 
both former guests on the show and they're able to change their schedule from week to week and month to month. They've been taking advantage of the freedom where I know Greta was in Mexico for like 10 days and she just went on her own. They're working about 25 to 35 hours a week and again, making that six figures. So if you're listening to this and have thought about leaving your job or look for something else, or maybe you're looking for something with more flexibility, you're just kind of unhappy with either the income or the flexibility you have currently, let us know. Cardinal is looking to expand. They don't really care if you reach out to them. Uh, they just rather, you know, have you along with it. But if you don't want to, that's totally okay too, as always. <laughs> so now let me get our guests on the air. Uh, a quick introduction. So Andrew Neisler is with us today. A uh, good friend of Grant Greeters. We'll get into some of that. Uh, uh, but uh, yeah, Andrew sold eight summers. So we got an eight summer bookman here with us today. 89 to 97 started in 89 um, with a diamonds slash Rambo organization, which is directly under Lee McCroskey. Shout out to Lee. Um, he went to Kansas State. Nobody's perfect, uh, but is from, uh, originally from the uh, Wichita, Kansas area. And he worked with Dan Moore and Lee to integrate some, map, integrate some maps and technology into the company. So in like 1993, he actually worked in Tennessee and we'll hear about all the details there, but he had a really cool gig on the, uh, to in between, you know, summers to do some cool stuff and help move the company forward. So on that note, let me bring Andrew onto the screen. Boom. Hello, sir. Hey, hey. sorry about the dig at Kansas state. <laughs> That's, yeah, I, I got it. I got it. I felt it. I feel like if Grant is a big Husker fan, you probably get that a lot. Yeah, it's easy to banter with him. That's no big deal. Doesn't scare me. Doesn't scare you. Mm -mm. It just makes you stronger. It makes me stronger. That's right. <laughs> oh, man. Well, thanks for being on the show. Uh, I'm excited sure. to chat with you. Yeah. And uh, and uh, let, me, uh, let me just uh, start here. Again, for people who are listening to this who sold books, we don't do any pre-approach which is really counterintuitive for like an interview kind of style of thing. But the, the reason for that is because we believe in the ability to kind of get to know someone just on the connection of the fact that they sold books and we tested out every episode. And so far we've, we haven't missed. So unless this is a total derailment, it's a terrible conversation. We just crash and burn, you right. know, right. you know, we'll, we'll do it that way. So catch us up for those of us listening, people listening in uh, where you're, you're coming to us from Kansas city. Yeah, live in Kansas, Overland Park, Kansas, on the Kansas side. So. Well, that's awesome. So now you stopped selling books in 1997. So maybe just uh, take your time if you want to, or as, as as brief as you want to, or as in detail as you wish. What yeah. happened since 1997 to 2022? Catch us up. Oh, wow. Gosh. You know, I did work for a sister company, SBR, at the time, which stands for Southwestern Business Resources, which was a head firm. And um, mm. I categorically won the award for the most person, actually the person that sucked the most in headhunting. So I did a really <laughs> poor job at working on the phone and trying to figure out how I'm going to recruit somebody in Baltimore, Maryland to go sell technology to somebody else. You know, I didn't understand it. It's pretty young and naive. So I kind of fail. Uh, flat on my face. And then I started a couple internet companies um, from that point on in Nashville. And then it ended up uh, just lo and behold, ended up, ended up in Olathe and, and Overland Park, Kansas and coming back to where my roots were and, and uh, raising a family. So that's a lot of fun. Yeah. So SBR now I think is thinking ahead, right? That's the, right. Uh, yeah. That turned into thinking ahead. If I think which... back, it's thinking ahead. <laughs> 
<laughs> this is gonna be a great episode. <laughs> ah, that's awesome. That's awesome. So you, what's up? You were in Nashville. You were doing that. You realized that you weren't cut out for it. And then moving back now. So you're in Kansas City, and you do real estate. Now, well, yeah. So then I worked at, on a couple of internet companies. Sprint's headquarters was in Kansas City, and I was really kind of a. Uh, actually, there was a moment in there where I worked for JT Olson for a year, selling uh, subliminal resume resume paper to college campuses, and so I was his national sales director. Had recruited a um, a couple of uh, campus representatives that were independent reps to sell the paper to the bookstores. And we found really quick that uh, Barnes and Noble owns most of the bookstores. And so we had to uh, go pitch Barnes and Noble, but that's a story for another time. Um, so then <laughs> as that company uh, met its limit and we sold the big dog, Barnes and Noble, he had to make a decision of what kind of company he was going to either do this headhunting firm with Joel Broadbent and, or he was going to do this, uh, subliminal resume paper and uh so that ended up folding fairly quickly after about uh i think 10 months we worked together and uh he had to, he had to make a decision and so i'm in kansas city uh sprint's headquarters is here i have a computer engineering degree i have a sales background with southwestern so i'd start my own consulting company and and uh go directly to sprint and start consulting them on some uh it technology web interface stuff so starting a few internet businesses, I, I was able to bring that technology into the, into the telecommunications industry. And then uh, my ex-wife was uh, selling real estate. And as we started having kids, it was hard to carry that torch of helping her clients buy the next house. And that's when I said, what kind of business are we turning down here? And it, it became a significant number. So then in 2002, I started uh selling houses, uh, door to door, Oh wow. <laughs> 80 hours a week, sometimes more, but I ended up, uh, joining a team, like a big, uh, like one of the bigger powerhouses in Kansas city. That's been, uh, in the top 10 in the nation, uh, joined their team, got trained under the best kind of, that's what I got familiar with in Southwestern and then dedicated two years to learning real estate. And then, um, uh, in 2006, I ended up uh, starting Real Nice Homes, which is my team selling real estate in Kansas City. And I just sell <laughs> residential, some commercial. I've done a few commercial deals, but most of them have been residential. Okay, so many questions. This is so fun. Okay, okay. now, okay, good. Let's start. <laughs> okay, so first of all, did you really go door to door selling houses? Because that is hilarious. Yes. Oh, yeah, that's that's <laughs> one of the mechanisms. You, you have to if you have these door hangers. And in some cases, uh, you want to go on each door and leave your business card. And if you ever thought about selling, would you think about me? That's, That's kind of just the, branding. It's like marketing. The street. Well, it's it's cold relationships. You know, most of my relationships today are not as cold, but um, but there's cold business and warm business, and and that's the cold business part of real estate. That now that's super interesting because you're. It's like hey. I'm the house guy, <laughs> right? Yeah, and this right. is a house, <laughs> right? Right. Do you want your house that's... to be a real nice home? Yeah. Well, then here's my brand. So I'm Andrew Neisler. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Isn't that nice enough now? I mean, I, I we really do. Uh, my team and and throughout the years, I've had a team as big as 
as nine members and as small as uh just sold just by myself that's so it's range it's never it hasn't stayed the same that's why what and, and i was gonna follow up with that so what when you first started going door to door selling homes what were like some of the biggest similarities and then some of the biggest differences that you noticed from like the door to door book selling versus like you know real estate well, oh just the hours i mean i think you know gosh selling as a college student with no other responsibilities that's all you could do right um when you know you got a family little kids you got uh sports you've got other activities that are besides um just selling going to the next door to you know um and and it, it would get overwhelming it, i could in one day in one afternoon i could go down two streets and probably get maybe one or two listings so it didn't take very long. I didn't have to spend all day to get a couple people to want to talk mm. to me about potentially selling their house. Um, and I didn't have to do that very long. I, it, there's a, in, in real estate, we create our own busyness. And that is once I'm uh, assigned to market their property, I'm busy. It's not like I, I can continue to hold call. Um, there, it mm, creates a certain level of marketing, you know, um, effort and I've got to get busy helping market their house. So, so it creates work. And then were you able to like start using referrals after you kind of got off the ground a little bit that right. way or right. Once sense? you have a, now I've sold 1200 houses in Kansas city. I, you, you end up, you end up going off of your customer base to, to see who's next. Um, there's people like Pat Roach who or Grant Greeter, where if they're moving in, you know, moving is moving where not from where you're at, you know, sometimes you're going to a city you haven't been to before. And I've helped a couple of clients through, through Pat who sit from Chicago and, um, uh, Grant, Grant and I have, uh, shared some referrals back and forth between Lincoln and, and Kansas city. In fact, one of my biggest incoming cities was Lincoln, Nebraska at one point. Um, I, I oh, moved wow. 14 people in one company. So wow. they all bought houses. That's awesome. Not all in one week, but you know, over the course of building their company, they kept on recruiting from people they knew in Lincoln. So um, if you know a realtor in a given spot, then you want to refer them out so that you have a connection of communication. Yeah, that's brilliant. It's a sweet yeah. network to be a part of. Well, because you guys understand each other. It's like it's kind of like with Southwestern right. people where it's like you kind of right. speak the same language. So you're like, sure. I get I get it, man. <laughs> Here's. Yeah. And, and also you can trust them, right? Like you can trust them like Grant, you know, you can trust, you, tr mm -hmm. you can trust them like Pat and they can trust you mm -hmm. to just know that if you send someone your way or, mm -hmm. or vice versa, that they're going to be well taken care of. And that's the cool, yeah. that's a very cool thing. In the end, there's customer service and, and you got to know how somebody's going to treat somebody, whether it's, um, cause it's tough. There's not one transaction that's easy. And if somebody says, Oh, mine was easy that, that you don't know what the work was done, done, uh, under the surface. Cause it's all hard. There's, there's not, uh, I mean, I just canceled a deal at midnight last night, uh, not last night, the night before, and accepted another offer at 12.02. So like it, it can get that intense because there's deadlines and we don't have a clock. We have to work when our client needs us. That's Pretty wild. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. So let me ask you this because we, I mean, we've had some of Pat's folks on here. Like we've had mm -hmm. some Southwestern people here and of course mm -hmm. Pat himself, but I always ask them and I feel like the answer has been kind of, in some ways similar but different but in your knowledge i mean 20 years of, of this uh i'm about to buy a house things mm -hmm. are super expensive in portland first time home buyer mm -hmm. what are yep. things i need to know like right off the bat that maybe people won't tell me or like 
whether it's how to select a good realtor or like if it's, you know, what, what should I know, I guess, going into this before I, before I, oh, before I buy yeah, yeah. I always say it's like running a hurdle race. And if you focus too much on the finish line, you'll trip over all the hurdles on the way. And so you might as well knock over the first hurdle first and that's get qualified of what, what can, how much can you afford and what does that look like for you? Like what kind of monthly are you looking for? What kind of financial uh, setup is best for you? And then, and then once you have that answer, that's going to prepare you for like, where can you afford? Then what, what are the dynamics of a house that, that are important to you? And we all do, uh, I do what's called a needs assessment. And that is, hey, what do you need and what do you want? And then what do you desire? Kind of like goal setting, you know, for like these consultant, Southwest Consulting or whatever. They're going to tell <laughs> you, hey, don't, don't convolute a want with a need. What do you really need? What do you want? And what do you desire? And so in a house, it can get pretty simple. However, one of the things the book field prepared me for was, really the, the dynamics between a husband and wife sitting in the same room and they they have countered opinions on one topic. How many bedrooms do you need? Well, I need three. No, we need two. Wait, I, I'm okay with one. You know, like you don't know what the answer yeah. is until they speak. Okay. And so when we do our needs assessment, we really kind of hone in on what do you really need? What do you want? And then you'll realize that two people want different things, but yet um, success in our business is 70%. If I get you 70% of what you want, then I, I won, but uh, I'll get you hundred percent of what you need. You know, I'll get you the beds, baths and location and garages and whatever the other features are in something like Portland, you might not get a garage at your price point. You <laughs> might not get whatever. I don't know what it is. Right. Um, and so it's so expensive, market, huh? It's so expensive. It is. It is. And, and when I get, when I ever have an out of towner, Okay, and they're coming to Kansas City. I always say, don't bring your market here. Yeah, because if you bring your market here, it's not the same. Everything's different, and I mean, gosh, I even stucco confuses people because it's a concrete vertical thing that in Minnesota doesn't work because it freezes most of the year there, and so in Kansas City, stucco works. Uh, in Arizona, stucco works. But in some markets, it, it just doesn't make sense. They're like, why would I ever do that? That's strange. And then I'm like, well, first of all, calm down. It's okay. But it doesn't mean it doesn't make the house bad. But but the architecture does bother them because they don't see themselves there. They didn't grow up with the familiarity. Um, you know, when I lived Ooh. in Nashville, I love Nashville. I, I, I consider Nashville a second home. But uh, I tell people this, that. My first summer, I was homesick and I was homesick because of the long shadows. Now that doesn't make any sense to you. Maybe Nebraska. Yeah, but I know on what the you mean. Horizon, if there's nothing blocking the sun, your shadow's super long. I think that's the coolest thing. In Kansas, there's nothing blocking my shadow. In, in, in Nashville, it's the hills, right? The sun, the sun will have a, uh, uh, it'll, it'll hit dusk a lot earlier because of the hills. And so that homesickness, whatever that is, when I'm with a client that's coming from out of state, I want to identify what that what they consider home to be. And I can't fix everything. Like I can't fix the sun and I can't fix those things, but I can maybe talk about the home and what that means. So 
I think part of it's just identifying what's important to you in the house and what the needs, wants, and desires are. And that's the first that's step. Great. What you qualify for and then what are your needs? And then the rest of it's hunt. You just got to hunt and find it. Oh, this is brilliant. Can I keep, can I keep like picking your brain? Sure. Yeah. Yeah, what this else? is cool. This is what I love about this because it's like it's kind of like just our conversation, just people just listening. But I bet yeah. you there's people with the same questions. Dive in. Like, yeah. So, and I guess this is this is up to my wife and I to determine. But let's just say uh, we're looking in the four to six hundred thousand dollar budget range, something mm -hmm. like that. Maybe that's too broad. Uh, even even when to decide, even when deciding the how much or what our budget or what our finances are like, what are some of the things we should first consider? besides our income, like, is there anything else or is that, is it just solely based on that or what, what is good or bad? Like, I feel like I just, I just want to avoid dumb mistakes is like, uh, what I'm asking. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's why you use a professional like Pat or Grant or something, because they're going to know the weak parts of a, of a particular area. But if you're trying to just like territory in the book field, you want to start and then you want to work that territory. Well, when you're buying a house, you put a dot, what's convenient for you in the middle of that dot is it is it a location for church is it work is it family is it friends is it uh conveniences is it entertainment that's the first thing is what is the where do you want to spend the focal point of your time and then then you radius out what's important to your needs um I, you know i i think just being in the business 20 years i always ask my clients do you have any regrets like any surprises on that house that you were not planning for. And there are a few, you know, some of it's the foundation. Like in our, in our market, I've had uh, two clients that bought cinder block basements. And by the time we bought them, it was an ideal basement. Like it was fine. Everything was good. But the, we, I always say cinder block always weeps and people don't know what that means. But if you have a cinder block basement, it always weeps. It always has a leaking part to it. It's not meant to keep the moisture out. It's just meant to keep you keep a hole in the ground so you can put your furnace down there. But um, so they always leak. And what I found is that that's where they regret. Oh, I wish I'd have known that before I bought this house. And so sometimes that's what the professional can help you with. Hey, if that's a if that's something that's going to bother you, then in the needs assessment, I would have churned through. That's important to you. And very cool. So n working with a professional that knows how to ask those types of questions before you even look at a house, because, because I can tell you interior design can actually attract you to a house. That's probably not right for you. Oh, see right there. That's something huge mm -hmm. for me. Cause yeah. honestly, like, you know, we're, we're going through Redfin, we're going through Zillow, just kind of, well, so here's the story. My wife, um, my wife started a new job yeah. uh, in February. And so we, we were approved, but we weren't married and she was approved and I was approved. But then I was like, well, let's just wait until we're married. You just started a new job. So then it's going to be like six months at least before we can even start looking again to get pre-qualified. And so let's just let things like, so now we're coming into that time zone where it's like, we're about, honestly, we're about two weeks away, really realistically, uh, or a month away before we're like, all right, actually we can start looking again. Right. Yeah. But right. We just dream, you know, so we're on Zillow, we're on Redfin. Window shopping. I call it window shopping. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Screen shopping. <laughs> Amazon. Yeah. And, 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 but, that, but you're, I mean, that's something where it's like, we almost exclusively just look at interior design right. and then the thought did occur to her. She's like, I, I bet you these look great, but, right. but there's something wrong with them, you know, or, you know, and didn't even think that, but you mentioned that I'm like, ah, yeah. that is something. So yeah, yeah. I, I would have missed it. 
the thing that nobody else, only my team does this because I, I just figured it out when I was uh, showing so many buyers. But I, I go off of the three L's. And this is when you're shopping. Um, you know, whoever gets to the no faster can get to the yes faster, right? So it's okay yeah. to say no, you don't like a house, right? And so uh, I have this thing called the three L's. And that is if you say no to one of these three, then you just leave. You don't need to look at the backyard. You don't need to look at the upstairs. You just, you're done with that house. And that is lot, location, and layout. So the lot is where, like, what's around the house? What is it back to? Um, does it have a fence? How big is it? What are the trees like? That type, that's lot, okay? Location is just like, hey, what's convenient to it? What's the, what's near it? What are, what, what's, what's fascinating about that area? That's more of an area thing. And then layout is the, is how do you live in the house? Okay, where do we sleep? Where do we play? Where do we work? Where do we entertain? And there's some houses, it's so weird, and you can't get a rhythm to the, the, to the layout that it, you might have the best lot and the best location, but a weird layout, it's a no. And then you just go on to the next house. And I've helped my clients the most with that. I, I, I think getting them to say no faster was probably the hardest thing, learning how to do that as an agent, as That's a buyer's beautiful. agent. See, see we, we carry two hats. You know, I can help you sell a house or help you buy a house. But that's not a buying counsel right. kind of uh, step. And so take that as you're looking at houses, you guys start walking into them. You can't do that online because you can't figure out location, you can't size up the lot, and you can't figure out the layout until you're in it. So this is only at the house. So now on that note, so I guess it's it sounds like based on that though, you have to also be prepared for the about abundance mentality, right? Because I feel like sometimes people get attached to those L's. And even mm -hmm. though the other one could be a even if it's not a total yes, it's like a maybe, uh, maybe this layout is good, or maybe this whatever, yeah. right? They they the mentality you get is well, there's this is the one. There's not gonna be an uh, you know what I'm saying? Like the scarcity it's like a scarcity, right? Mm -hmm. And so do you want to have plenty of time to buy and not be in a rush and right. just get, wait for the right house to come along? Is that better? Or is it better to, uh, once you find all three L's, you just like jump in? Well, no, that, I think that's, you know, scarcity does kind of affect that a little bit, but it's still, it, it's still the first three yeses. They've all got to be yeses for you to, to buy it. Right. So, uh, maybe to me, I think if it's a, if it's still a no, it's it's not a yes. It, maybe's are going to be killers, um, mm. but I, I would say that's just as you're walking through houses, it's easy to to let one go when you have a lot to choose from. But if you don't have a lot to choose from, then you have to adjust your needs. See, it's like you go yeah. back to the needs and say, "Well, I don't need two bathrooms. I need just one," and then you can trim your your inventory list. Now, I don't know how scarce it is in Portland, but like in Kansas City, we're down. We're at 3,400 homes. And in 2008, when we crashed, we were at 10,500. So you can only crash in a market where there's a surplus. So you can't crash in a, in, in a, in a low inventory market. You just can't because the, the buyer pool is still homeless, essentially. And right. so as you're in your market, it's good to talk to the agents that know those numbers. Hey, what's our inventory at? What's the trending? What's the, right. those things, what's trending in your market? And those are things, again, 
that's why you work with a local agent. You can still window shop. That's fine. You just won't know those numbers until you get out with a professional. I'm going to write this down. <laughs> that's fine. Yeah. Yeah, like oh, write that down. That's good. Write that write down. Yeah, that's a good idea. It's a good thing. <laughs> hey, that's good. That's good. Write that down. So, okay, that's it. That's huge. And actually, I was going to ask you about that because you, you, I mean, right now, you, if you read the news even badly, you know, you're you're hearing about the economy and you know Russia stuff and COVID and all this stuff is kind of difficult. But you live through probably the worst financial crisis, specifically probably the worst real estate crisis that's ever mm-hmm. been. And mm-hmm. you know, you're sitting there in 06. Things are ch- ch- jamming. I mean, I remember I, I went to school for economics and I, my, my entire last semester, we just studied the stock market crash. Oh, six things were going great. Oh, seven things were firing up. What happened and how did you survive that? Because, I mean, I feel like that was a brutal time for the real estate market. Super scary. Was. You know, I mean, I, 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 you know, I made a commitment to provide for my family and that was, uh, that was spooky. Um, I would average probably 30 to 40 houses a year. Okay. In my market, that's three a month, roughly. Right. That's good. Uh, as of October, no, no, August of 2008. So we didn't get hit. So the wave hit West coast to the, you know, to the rest, the the center didn't get hit at the same time, you know, uh, and, and I have a theory on that and I'll tell you in a second, but. Um, I only had 13 transactions that year. So one a month and that's hard, man. I mean, I was always, uh, in Southwestern, I was always a customer's kid. You know, I would say, I'm going to go, I'm going to sell a Mufu or a cookbook just to feel like I, somebody said yes today, you know, just to get a yes. And, um, the, uh, the, 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 the dynamic that I have with real estate and 2008, is that the top five, I call them five, okay, right? The top five are the ones that actually took down the whole market, the national the national market. So that's Colorado, I'll explain this in a second, California, Arizona, Nevada, and Florida. The, the, the other one, Michigan was over here because of the auto industry, but those five are what we call a secondary market. They have a, and, and I would even think Oregon would have the same thing. So you might have a secondary market, okay? We don't have a secondary market in Kansas City, and that is the second home. So most of your investors in Arizona have their primary home in California or somewhere else. You know, let's let's call them the you know the winter birds, right? They mm-hmm. they fly south for the winter type of deal. The, they have a house somewhere else. So if they're going to foreclose, they foreclose on their secondary house. So those markets all dived because those five ended up letting go of their second house. Well, then all the primary homeowners are now like, well, thanks for nothing, <laughs> right? Like right. you just took down my value because that's your rental. Well, um, that's where it really crashed. And Kansas City, we just don't have a secondary market. So in some places, we only went down, I'd say 3%, you know, in some areas of Kansas City, but we didn't really dive like other markets. However, the buyer pool shrunk, you know, so we had transactions that were just like, nobody was buying. And, um, it wasn't in 2009, we stepped back up. So we, it was only about nine months of just like, where's business going to come from, you know? And then that's when I get back to knocking on doors and trying to find the next person. Right. Um, 
people are always going to be transferred. People are always going to move. People are always going to lose their jobs and they're going to need to sell. So uh, that's that's what you you lean on in a given market. But um, man, that's you're right. That was a scary time. And in the financial markets, that's my theory that those secondary markets is what catapulted the rest of the nation to freeze. Um, that was brutal. Yeah, it was very difficult. I mean, I mean, it was brutal. And, and if anybody watching or listening in and, and to kind of get a, even a better understanding of what we're talking about, have you seen the big short? Yeah, I did watch that. Short. I did watch that. Yep. I watched that one. That one was, really? I, I, it was uh, scary. Again, another thing that you sit there and look back at how much uh, that the people, players like that have an influence. And that's, that, that's scary. You know, it's, it's, it's such a wild thing to think about that, you know, cause I, I studied this back and forward and backwards and just understanding what it meant to people to have uh, a home be lost like that. Like just, I, I remember my dad got fired during that time. Cause you know, things started cutting and, and that yep. was such a scary time for us, sure. you know, with my, my dad is, you know, and, 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 and you're right. And we didn't really feel it that hard in Nebraska relatively, right. To, right. to compare to like the real loss that people were seeing up in the coast. So mm -hmm. man, that's crazy. That's crazy wild. But crazy you still wild. keep your house in some cases you could lose your job and still keep your house a little bit. But, yeah. um, but some people lost their houses because they didn't have that, uh, equity position that they normally would have been there. Right. And that's, yeah. that's, that's a bummer. I had, Many clients that I had to represent and give the bad news to, and, and in some cases, they wrote checks to get out of their house. And that's, again, the same thing that's difficult, you know? Difficult. Now, yeah. again, I, I and, and we should disclose, disclose here. Now, we're not financial advisors, so this is nothing that, like, if someone listening and don't take, you know, financial advice this really often. This is just a conversation. But going into 2022 now, and I it's the, the economy is kind of like having a difficult time. You're, you're in you're theorizing again, this is not, <laughs> we're just talking about. Um, <laughs> yeah. We are not advisors. No series license yeah. on either one of us. We, we have to disclose that. Cause like someone's going to listen to this go, Oh, I'm going to buy. And then the economy tanks or something. And then we we're getting in trouble. So, or whatever, okay, but so in your opinion, just very, very opinion, just opinion based on, on, on your perspective from real estate. Is it different this time coming around? You, are you nervous about it at all in any way with how the economy is doing inflation? Not, you know, rates? I, no, not as much, you know, I went through a divorce about uh, five years ago now, four years ago. And that, that was more catastrophic than what I'm feeling right now. Um, oh, because it, it took, it took my ability to focus. It took away, um, my ability to kind of care for other people away. And so that was scarier than what I'm going through now. Um, and I would say even my, my clients are happy. Like when my sellers are grinning, then I'm okay with that. You know, they're making money. They're they're I, I'm having people call me and they've only been in their house two or three years and they're making money. That's if I, if somebody called me early in my career and they'd only been in their house three years, I'm like, you got to stay five in order to make any money. It's not worth it to sell in three years. But, uh, but so that's different. And that's, that's why I'm not so concerned about it right now. And with inventory being so low, that's, we haven't experienced that. Actually, what I, I don't know a time when inventory has been this low for this long, and so um, so we'll see. But 
Um, yeah. At some point, it's got to it's got to make a turn because markets always do, and it'll be a different story. You know, at some point, in every market's a little different. Portland's different. You know, I've had clients that three years ago said, "Hey, I don't want to move because I want to. I don't want to. I don't want to spend more today, and and I'll just stay where I'm at." And I'm like, okay, that's fine. Well, three years later, you know, the that house that was at three hundred thousand is now at four hundred fifty. You know, oh, and man. I'm like, oh, you could have gotten that one hundred fifty difference if you would have bought at three hundred. You would have a four hundred fifty house. So what did they give up? They took a risk of saying, I'm going to stay put. And so it's hard to know in any given market what to do. But I'm not too worried about it. I think uh, you know I'm willing to work and uh willing to hunt and find the next prospect so that, that that's a book not, man right there it's not the territory <laughs> that's a book man right there sir yeah, yes that's, that's awesome look out look out that's so awesome in your time in real estate and with with you know, you say you you had a fluctuation of like a nine person team or you know all the way that's just yourself from the leadership standpoint what have you, what stuff did you take from the book field to kind of help you navigate that process of like managing a team of people selling homes and, and kind of replicating yourself? Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, I, 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 I cut my teeth so many years in Southwestern, not wanting to be a manager that, uh, I, I really, I realize that you, your heart has to be into it and you really, um, gosh, you got to put yourself aside for so many things. And so that's why my team's, you know, has fluctuated. Uh, when my kids in, were really small, I had a bigger team on real estate. And as my kids have gotten older, I find that they need dad more. They just need me around. They need, they need me even when there's nothing going on, they just need to talk or need somebody to listen. And so um, I, I found that the smaller my team is now is better for my kids. And so, um, you know, Southwestern's an anomaly because it was uh, the focal point of it, you know, and um, maybe the training that I got from it was, you know, you shut out the rest of the world and just focus on doing one thing and that's yeah. Southwestern, right? And uh, to me, that didn't help me, I don't think, because there's other areas of my life that I think I, I live amongst my community and 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 thrive. And I think uh, I think I the training part of Southwestern was good. Um, the discipline, the accountability, some of the ideas, but maybe the reality of taking that into the real world was very difficult for me. That was hard for me. Um, yeah. So I incorporated some things in my training because I didn't want to work with anybody that had already been in the business. So when I recruited an agent to come sell houses for me, my requirement was you can't, you could not have worked for anybody else. So that I took that, let's call it that green aspect of a, a rookie book field person um, seriously that, hey, they don't know anything. So whatever I train them, that's going to be the first thing they learn. And that's how they're going to learn the business. And so I just incorporated that into anybody that I've worked with. I, I don't recruit off of other people's teams and then have somebody sell for me because they come with different habits and, and yeah. Uh, and one of my one of my agents uh, that worked for me back in two thousand and seven, he uh, he's agent. That to me was a big testament to my training to him because he went and started another brokerage in a different city. 
So I, I was there you go. Happy. Yeah, it's a good guy in Manhattan, Kansas, K State of all places. So I'm very happy for him. So he didn't sell Wildcats. That's Wildcat. Come on. It's easy. It's not that hard. Come on. Even I can't even spell. Have anything? Nebraska doesn't have any hand movements. How do you make an yeah. N? I mean, I don't even know how to make an N with my hands. I mean, <laughs> we go. I don't. Know. We we can't spell. That's why I can't even spell you an L. That's right. You can't. True. I don't know. I have no idea. We can't spell. That's yeah. that's that's the worth of my education. I don't even know what the hell I'm talking about. <laughs> Listen, I got a here 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 you go. Here's the answer. I got What's a degree that? in economics and math, and I I my my job is to talk to random people about door to door stuff. <laughs> I'm not right. using my degree for anything. Like <laughs> what was nothing. the highest level? Okay, I have a good question for you. I'm very curious. What was the highest level of math? What was the the most interesting math course that you took. Oh, I love that you asked me this. I think yeah. I've only I've only talked about this with one other person who made. I think it was Courtney. Great question. Oh, I'd love this. I'm yeah. nerd, I'm nerding about this. Okay. So math is weird. Math is the yeah. only the only subject that you have to know something before you get to the next thing. It builds on it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. So it's like like history. And, and I'm sorry if this is like a roundabout way of answering the question, but I, it, it will make sense, I promise. But uh, history, right? You can learn about World War II before you learn about World War One. really. Like you don't have to, <laughs> right? In fact, there's people that don't even learn American history. I sure, I know. Yeah, history. good point. <laughs> so, and they're, we're still, and they know about World War II. Um, but math, it doesn't work like that. You have to, and, and also like even in history, even if you go chronologically in history, Mm-hmm. Even if you kind of got World War One, you don't really understand, but you, you could totally get World War Two, and you mm-hmm. kind of got World War One. It doesn't really work like that in math. Like you have to know what happens. Right. So the the levels go like pre you know pre algebra geometry is kind of here to the side on its own thing. You got algebra, right? A really advanced algebra. And then you go calculus, right? And then when you get to calculus, you go to calculus two, and then past calc two, you go to calc three, and then it kind of spreads, and it's weird. Because you get to the point in math, and again, this is a very uh, undergrad stuff, but even undergrad stuff, you have to kind of pick the one direction you go to to go into grad school because you don't, you, you could have someone who's all about differential equations or mm-hmm. knows all about game theory who doesn't know about or is not as familiar with other stuff because it just spreads so gray. And you start finding out that math is actually not as black and white. People always go, oh, two plus two is two. I love math because mm-hmm. it's like, no, actually, that's not how it works. You get mm-hmm. to a point where um, the answer to the question is not, is there an, is not, you know, what three or 75 mm-hmm. pi or mm-hmm. something, right? It's, it's like, there is no answer. Like, right. Everybody jokes about the limit doesn't exist. So the, so the question is asking is, yeah. is there even an answer to this question? Mm-hmm. And it's, it's a yes or no question, but you have to prove why. So sure, sure. Um, I got to this level of math where the most interesting class I thought we took was called, well, really it was linear algebra is what it's called. And basically, it's just proofs, but it's just a little level past proof. So, um, to okay, so like day one, the teacher's like, "Oh, you gotta, you gotta explain why the square root of two is not an irrational number or is a irrational, irrational number." Mm-hmm. That's it. There wasn't no like, "I want you to do it in a paragraph." No, nothing. It was just, yeah, that's the homework assignment. And you're like, yeah. right. what the hell? <laughs> like, right. And that's day one. Like that was the, the you have to prove week. something, right? Like, yeah. Everyone, right. Yeah. And you get to the point where, and eventually I also took uh, a thing called uh, uh, game theory or yeah, group, group theory. But anyway, the, the, the idea of this course was to 
like find a way to make things make sense so you would take like a like a, a concept um one of my favorite ones was we did these things called mods and so mods were used to understand big numbers because the brain the human brain is really not designed to understand anything above like a couple thousand you know what i mean like, mm-hmm. like if I showed you a map of 50, a, a, a picture of a crowd of 50,000 people or a picture of a crowd of like 500,000 people, you would like to think that you actually could tell the difference. Like if I just point blank, didn't tell how many people is this? You mm-hmm. could guess 50,000 or 500,000 and you really wouldn't know because we're not designed to like really understand what that looks like. Right. So in order to understand what that looks like, you have to start, you, you start breaking numbers up instead of base 10, you break them in different bases. Ah. That was my dog. And so oh, basically mod, so like you'd be like mod six, which basically means six. So you would count one, two, three, four, five, six. Right. And then it would be one, zero. Right. One, like two, hex, three, four, five. It's like any kind of, it's like hex or any other <laughs> yeah. uh, version of numbers, right? Like yeah. at, so, code, just two numbers, right? Yeah, like binary code is one and two, right? It's zero, one, zero, one. Because mm-hmm. you go back to zero after the mod, right? So if it was mod seven, you'd be one, uh, two, okay, three, mod, four, that's seven. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it'd be one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, zero, one, two, three, four, five, okay. six, seven, zero. But but 20 actually was 14 in base 10. Does that make yep. sense? It's so, and so no, the. You know, so I'm a computer this... engineer. So, computer oh, yeah, so you get, I, yeah. I, I took a lot. I'm curious about your classes because I, 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 taught some of these so yeah I, I know yeah about. yeah you're with me oh so you know what linear algebra is. oh yeah so you're with me so like for example like when we started getting into mods and proving them and like mm-hmm. using then that to then prove other stuff it, it just yeah. you started really understanding like it was the first time in math that it wasn't like memorize this equation because right. when we had to do that like shit when we got to taylor series and calc 2 it was like I mean, I would have homework assignments that look like Einstein's equations, like I, oh, I no. and you could just read them. You know what I mean? Like you understand. Like I still have a picture of it somewhere on my Instagram. I'm like, I can't believe I just did this. Like, yeah, it kind of it was kind of a proud moment because you would look back at the end of your homework assignment and it was like stacks of papers. Like, yeah, like the way they see in the cartoons, they don't exaggerate that. It's like no, it's like no. legit. This is or what good it is. Hunting, like that. That's yes, where the thing. Yeah, like no yes, one knows yes. that stuff going on, but it's very. But but you do. <laughs> yeah, well, a part and, of it. It, yeah well not anymore but, but my but my brain so i loved it because it was the first time that i was able to just really use my brain to think yeah. you know what i mean yeah. I, I haven't been good at anything in life uh, really like it, it's talking to people and math when huh. i moved here i didn't speak english hmm. and the only thing that made me feel normal was math class because oh, i that understood sense. that language you know and so mm-hmm. um I didn't feel dumb anymore when it was yeah. like it was it was English class and I couldn't pronounce it. People made fun of the way I talked, right? Like I I couldn't understand. But when it was math wow. time, multiplication time, I was the first kid yeah. to get done. Like you know, you did those minute drills where you'd be like, "All right, we're gonna do 100 mm-hmm. problems in a minute or whatever." First, how many the most you can get it? And I was always like top, right? Yeah. My 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 SAT ACT math scores were always I got a 35 in the math section of the yeah. ACT, almost perfect. Yeah. But then like. The t- like a 19 in the English section. Yeah. I was <laughs> so, 32 in math and yeah, a lot lower than that. And not stuff. good. Yeah, now I could good. read it and I understood it, but I just would run out of time. I'm like, I can't. I really like fast. that you said that, that, you know, you, you did not have the language down, but numbers are universal. T- typically they're not hundred percent universal, but you had something of concept of, I knew these numbers and I could get to an answer 
And there's this thing in psychology that, hey, we have a need to belong. And numbers made you feel like you belonged, even though you yeah. couldn't speak the language. I like that. Not only belong, it made me feel like I was actually smart because everything else in the world was telling me I was different. I don't belong here. Like you said, I'm oh, that's stupid. so cool. I'm not yeah, welcomed, right? right? Mm -hmm. And here it's like, that. no, I'm I'm smart. I am mm -hmm. smart. Look at me, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. um, now we find out later on that smart means it's so relative. Like you could have someone who's musically smart, who's like amazing at the piano, mm -hmm. but just sucks at like talking to people. Or on the other hand, you got Hitler who was amazing at talking to people, but terrible at being compassionate, right? Or like, discernment, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Right? LeBron James can dunk basketball better than probably anybody ever. And then, but but who knows what he's not good at, right? Maybe he can't read oh, or whatever. Who knows? Yeah. Um, yeah. But that was my thing. My thing was math. My logical intelligence was. That's great. It, and it worked. And so, yeah, I just loved it. And I fell in love with it. And so that that class, it was just such a fun class because I was able to hone in on that and, and feel because I was struggling in college. I flunked out of college twice. It took me seven and a half years to graduate. But math and Nebraska, sister, that's even hard to do in Nebraska. I know that's all check out the big brain on Andres, but, uh, but my, my sister-in-law, you've met Asia probably. Uh, yeah. if you know, Grant, you've met Asia and Danny, my mm -hmm. brother, Danny. And so, yeah. and Asia was I in class with Danny me. a couple times when I first met you. So that's okay. No worries. Happens. <laughs> my parents did it too. <laughs> so, but, but, yeah. but yeah, Asia was in class, math class with me and she's so competitive. It's really funny. Oh yeah. She's going to hate, she's going to hate that I'm saying this on the air, but, yeah. um, I was in math class with her. And so, and so oftentimes the one class I didn't have to study for was math because we'd mm. go to the same math class and she would spend hours with me. Oh. Like I'm studying for my other classes and we'd spend hours oh, and yeah. I would study a lick yeah. and then we'd go take the test yeah. and she would get like a 95 because she worked really hard for it. She'd be like, what'd you get? I'm like, uh, you know, it doesn't matter. <laughs> it's so not important. Like, I promise you, it's really not. She goes, what did you get? Yeah. I'm like, okay, fine. I got a 98 and she would hit me. And yeah. so it was, a, it, but sure. it made me feel smart to go to those classes. And I loved, I loved That's linear cool. algebra. So fun. Linear algebra. It was a good course because it did it, the proofs part that you're talking about. Um, to be right, you know, to prove it to be right, there is an answer, right? And you can yeah. justify it and claim it. And I got this whole thing. I did um, I took two math classes because I, I was fascinated by it too. And, and that I use today. And one is um, discrete math. Did you take a class called discrete math? Yeah, it was, I, I liked it. It was very difficult yeah. because it was also the, it was, it was kind of, it was a lot of probability, right? So it was like, you know, one, if you have a yellow, green and a blue marbles, uh, how many times do you have to grab if you have 30 of each to grab a red marble? And I'm like, oh, I have no idea. So that kind of thing, right? But, uh, and statistics. And um, so combining real estate and combining book selling, um, which is a numbers game, mathematically, right? Hey, if I do 30 demos, I'm gonna get something. The other part with uh, real estate is that your listing is all data. Whenever I sell a property, it's really just the data that I'm selling. Um, I have some marketing ideas that work, but if my data is input wrong, if I put the wrong beds and baths, if I put the wrong car garage, if I put the wrong square footage on the, on the house, or if I put the wrong square footage on the acreage, you're not going to be found by the person that could buy you. So I turned it into probability and statistics that, Hey, listen, Hey, 
the standard deviation is if you were to sell here, here's where you go. If you were to buy here, a certain percentage of the inventory is in this bell curve. And so I use that more than oh, anything on, on math. That's why I was fascinated by the curiosity of what you do. And I bet no matter what you do in the editing of all these videos, I bet it narrows down to some cool math stuff you learned in some of your classes. I'm sure there Absolutely. is. There's something in it. And, um, <laughs> and so I, I'm fascinated by that stuff and I'm, I'm impressed. So my team is going to be laughing when they hear this because they're going to be like, yep, he just harps on numbers and statistics all the yeah, yeah, time. Yeah, and, that's and that's what it is. And that's, you just got to know it, It's funny that you say they took discrete math as a prereq for what ended up becoming economic econometrics, which is the craziest. Well, that's something I mean, weird. Cal class. Yeah. Calc two and econometrics were the two hardest math classes because they're it's just it's stats is such a different field of math that it's just almost like a whole so is yeah i don't even right. know if you would call it math but um but discrete math also I, I, have you read the book thinking fast and slow huh oh it's amazing i would read that it's, what is who wrote it's that beautiful is that a roger uh, Dan, book? Are you no another roger <laughs> book? i reprogrammed it my mind like... with roger Seidman. i Oh, Roger side. By the way, go check out that episode if you haven't. Yeah, there. no, I know Roger. Right? It's, oh, it's so fun. Roger's awesome. Um, but no, but uh, Daniel Common, I don't know if I'm saying his name right. Common, Kahneman. But anyway, the, it talks about how the brain has two systems in it. System one is your like natural um, kind of like intuition brain. And your system two is the only brain that can kind of like actually think but it's lazy by nature and the other one's more hardworking. there it is uh thank you Amy. daniel kahneman uh phenomenal book he's got a heavy read and he's kind of repetitive to be honest with you but it's worth reading throughout um and uh basically what he talks about is there's like certain um aspects of things that you can prime people for in sales and or other things to kind of get them to uh, think a certain way or talk a certain way whether it's politics or sales or whatever um, and we'll put the link below on the, on the comments, but, um, and then oh, yeah. there's, there's also like a, like the second part, which kind of challenges and checks your intuition to make sure you're not making some stupid mistake by just jumping into things. So, mm. um, yeah, it's brilliant, but it talks about st statistics quite a bit. And it talks about like large numbers, small numbers, and like how people think that they are making good decisions and they're good at making good decisions. But in fact, it's actually just all based on statistical, data that you're probably going to be one of these people and oh uh, yeah phenomenal phenomenal book it's it's i it's like so, the idea like, of it because I, you know i think with the psychology of add and selling books door to door there was this immediate i don't know feedback that i got that hey i got a yes or a no and so it fed my add better than anything else that i've ever done but it also revealed that i didn't i didn't really deal with it <laughs> At a young age, you know, I, I should have probably hampered down on slowing my, down my thought and my speech, you know, and, but that's, but that's okay. I mean, I'm just saying I, that's an interesting book and I, I'll read it. Yeah, it, 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 it's quite brilliant. Like, uh, for example, I'll give you an example. I'll, I'll give you a really cool like example of what he uses. He talks about the idea, uh, and this is kind of has to do with like the buying atmosphere or not yeah. the buying atmosphere, excuse me, the, the price buildup. So if I was to ask you, um, what do you think – how tall do you think is a tallest tree in the Redwood Forest in feet? If you had just had to guess. 275 feet. 275 feet. Okay. That's that's pretty spot on. I think it's like 315 or something like that. So you're pretty on, on right oh, okay. now. 
So that's good. That's what he says. That's all fine. People could probably generally kind of give it, give or take what that is. But if I was to say, do you think that the tallest redwood is more than 1200 feet or less than 1200 feet? So then at first you're like, well, probably less. Right? Normally most people would be like, mm-hmm. oh, probably less because 1200 feet, that seems like a lot, probably less. Okay. Mm-hmm. Then I would ask you, do you think the tallest redwood is more than 100, 200 feet or less than 200 feet? And now all of a sudden you're like, oh crap. Yeah. Because huh. I gave you 1200. Right. right. So now you're thinking, that's got to be way more. Right. Okay. What about 500 feet? And they're like, oh, probably more than 500, probably 700. Yeah. And so because I, with the way that I assess or estimate, yeah, that's very hard. Yes, exactly yeah. right. So he talks, so like, for example, with the price build that we would do that all the freaking time where the books would be like 500 bucks, right? But we'd be like, you know, Mrs. Jones, if you're talking about college textbooks, you know, they cost $200 for one subject. This is 42 mm-hmm. subjects and there's six books. So, you know, most mm-hmm. parents would think it's going to be 3,000, 4,000, I mean, you John over next door. Last time you were in the book field, that's too easy. 2016. That's, not, that's, that's really good. I wouldn't have said <laughs> well, that. Well, I math brain, memory. Like brain, I that's, this, that's that's where my this is where I excelled. <laughs> so yeah, uh yeah. but yes, yeah, so it'd be like, all right, so six thousand dollars, but it's not six thousand, it's not fifty-nine ninety-nine or fifty-nine ninety-eight, it's actually five hundred or it's four ninety-nine. Mm-hmm. That's not mm-hmm. bad, right? So, like you did you use that technique to essentially like make people think it's gonna be bigger than it is, sure, and then all of a sudden. It just seems so cheap. Yeah. And so he talks about like the psychology of that. So your intuition system one brain thinks 1200 feet is a lot, right? Because you put that number in my head. Yeah. But then, but then like system two checks in and goes, wait a minute, wait. Okay. So that's, that's going to be a quarter of a mile. There's no way a tree is a quarter of a mile. And then, so then like, that's the, 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 the checker is your system two. So he talks about how to maximize both so that you can like huh. really excel when you're making decisions and you can think fast and slow, which is then. That's I like it. Yeah. Like Hard recommendation. So I, anyway, I'm, sorry. I'm, I'm game. I'm game. To- total tangent. Do you want to, you want to know the craziest thing I learned about myself in the book field? And then we can go into no. your book experience. What's that? <laughs> Was I have an odd memory. I have, I have the weirdest. We were doing green cards. You remember green cards, right? You like you collect the names and then you take the Sunday school to kind of map out how you were going to do your deliveries based on mm-hmm. the clusters. My brain is so weird that I remembered everybody. So when Yvette was trying to teach me why it was important to have the green guards organized, I'm like, I don't understand. Like, why don't you just go to the ones that you know live next to each other? And <laughs> yes. she'd be like, she'd be like, what do you mean? I'm like, well, because I, I mean, I, for example, I know that this person and let's see, this person, yeah, and this person, I know that they live like two blocks from each other. So why wouldn't I just do that? And she goes, you can remember that? I go, oh, yeah, yeah. And they owe me $344.69. <laughs> you knew the number. Yeah. That's yeah. <laughs> like I just knew. In my head, remember, I'm 18. I yeah. didn't know anything other than this. And so in my head, I'm like, wait, doesn't everybody yeah, think know this? this? Isn't this yeah. normal? And yeah. my student manager, Steve, was like, dude, you're weird. Yeah. yeah. No, <laughs> I, I like, like your brain because we're, we think a lot of the same ways. And I my maps, sometimes I didn't even need them to go back through deliveries. And then I yeah. hear Dave Rosen. Dave Rosen's like, no, I had to deliver it then because I would not know where to go if I had to deliver it the end of the summer. I mean, like, I'm like, oh, that's, I wish I could think that way because I would have sell as much as you did. But, um, but no, there's a difference in that. And I, and no, I can still go back today. I can go back to Franklin and Same. I can go down streets and sold them, yes. didn't sell them. They got three kids. Yes. They got this, they got that. I could do it today. And I would be, 80% accurate, but 
I, uh, yeah, you miss reason, I still have the maps in my head and that's just how my brain works. I don't know. I could drive from here, from this place where I'm at right now to some of my customers from here, interstates and all without needing a map from oh, yeah. here. Isn't that crazy? It's that's, so weird. That is very wacky. That is very wacky. And I, and again, I'm glad you're saying that because I don't think I identified that that was special or unique until now because I, but the way that you're explaining it makes sense that not everybody can, can process that way, can yeah. store it even in, 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 in memory. It's hard. Yeah, and I was just, and I was talking to Mitchell Stefan, by the way, cause this, this might sound like, oh, we're so smart. No, that's not what that means. It just means mm -hmm. that we can do this, but there's things that other people could do that we can do. Oh, For example, music. I, I can't do anything with music. I'm telling you. Matt I, Atchison. Yeah. Oh, you would he could sell to anybody in any territory in any states at any time of the day no matter what just mm -hmm. something about the way that he could do it to him it makes sense because that's what's easy for him mm -hmm. but like there's some people that will tell you right here territory matters and and it, it, it does for some people because some people fit better to go sell in the country right they just were right. more comfortable and some people were better selling in suburbs and mm -hmm. it didn't make them better worse or people or sales it just there's some people that just had this gene to be able to sell so well. I didn't have that. Right, right. Me neither. That wasn't me. I just was good at remembering people's names and remembering like, you know, other people's names. And so like when it came to using names, I was so good at that because I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. you know, Andrew, uh, Eba, he got, he's got his boys and, you know, they're, they, yeah, they play the basketball. You know, those mm -hmm. guys are so nice. And, you know, he's, you know, you know, Andrew has this like. You remembered it. You yeah. And, and yeah. people would be like, how do you remember all this stuff? Yeah. Because. Right. I was there. You know what I'm talking about. You know, yeah. you, I relate. I There's relate. Part, my our brains like. are very similar in those, in that kind in that concept. <laughs> for sure. I had a, I had a lady in, um, gosh, I want to say this was in Louisiana when I sold in Louisiana and uh, her name was Candy Apple. She was the first grade teacher. And at every door I go, if you know, Candy Apple, I mean, I said Candy Apple probably 8,000 times the summer of 91 <laughs> because Candy Apple, I sold early in the summer and it was an easy name to say at the porch. But yeah, Candy Apple. How could you forget Candy Apple 25 years later? Like you can't. Who gets a name like that, number one? That's the weird part. But Poor lady. No, okay. I don't know why. So all right. So I think it's a good time to switch into some into some, into some self-lustering stuff, if that's cool with you. Sorry. I it, We just got on a tangent. I'm sorry about that. But you know what? Honestly. I like it. We're having a good time. Um, let me give a quick shout out to some more friends of ours. And then, uh, do you need to use the bathroom or anything at all? Yeah, I'm going to go do that. Actually. Yeah. This that? is a good time. I always tell, yeah, I always tell our guests, this is a good time for this. Uh, I, shout outs and recognition are coming. So, you know, uh, okay. we'll see you okay. in a sec. Um, yes. Yeah, so, hey guys, wanted to do a quick shout out, um, to some of our friends of the show, um, starting out with our good friend over at uh, Southwestern real estate, Pat Roach, uh, Southwest real estate, by the way, thanks for the shirt, Pat. This is so fun, super comfortable. And if you take care of your agents and of your company, as well as you take care of your merch, I can't imagine how much, how nice it must be to work with you. But, uh, so Pat, um, is doing a really phenomenal thing. These guys are in 14 different States. And if you guys are looking to switch gears into maybe a different industry, maybe what Andrew's saying sounds fantastic. And you want to learn a little bit more about real estate. Uh, I would say this is a good opportunity to call Pat. Now, if you sold books, you get an automatic interview with Pat Roach, which is pretty cool, but 
a little bit about what they're doing. So pretty flexible schedule that they're working with. Uh, every one of their guests that we had, and agents that we've had on as guests have talked about the flexibility. And more importantly, honestly, guys, it's, it's the culture. 99% drama free for a reason. Pat took all the good things about Southwestern, left out all the bad, kept 1%. And then kept that as part of his company. And it's pretty fun. And you could tell that they're having a blast here. The community that they have there is great. If you haven't heard the derby meetings that Nick has been doing with uh, with with Pat and some of the other jockeys we have, uh, Pat's talked a lot about culture and how to build a good company culture. Phenomenal opportunity for you guys. And honestly, solid income. Of course, we just talked about how good the, the, re the income is in real estate. So uh, reach out to us. We'll put you in touch with Pat. Thank you so much, my good friend. Uh, for uh, for believing in this. Uh, next up, we have Dylan Barr, a thought leader. I love Dylan. He's probably one of the funniest book guys that ever lived. Uh, and sorry, Brandon, I know you're a stand-up comic, but Brandon Q, sorry about that. Dylan Barr is probably funnier. And uh, and I just love working with Dylan. Now, Dylan is uh, in a company called Thought Leader. These guys are helping people do TED Talks, and they have partnered exclusively with us to get more people onto their team fantastic earning potential here guys and it's pretty high standard so this is like you have to have a pretty solid rap sheet in the southwestern world to even probably apply but they're looking for high caliber people two roles sdrs sdrs are calling warm leads people who are like hey i want to do a tech talk how do i do it you have a program to help me do this how do i do it and you have to qualify them make sure that the, the talk is the right fit make sure that they're the right fit for the program if they are you set them up with an enrollment advisor now an sdr is going to earn anywhere between 50 to something 75 maybe maybe a little bit more a, a year plus a couple other benefits and then the enrollment advisor is the second role which is you're going to take that lead that has been qualified and you're going to close them and so essentially you're waking up, your calendar's filled with people. You don't have to worry about sit-downs. They're already there for you. It's like going to every sit-down that another person has set for you. And you're going to make sure that the person is actually there. Now, you're having conversations with probably some of the most interesting people in the world because they're doing TED Talks, which is pretty awesome. And so um, that's about 130 to 200 plus a, a year in earnings. Um, if you guys want more information, please reach out to db at thoughtleader.com. That's Dylan Barr. So db at thought-leader.com. It's there on the screen. Uh, a great opportunity. Dylan is the head of executive of the customer experience and the head of sales there at Thought Leader. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. And then last but not least, uh, one more shout out to uh, Cardinal. Cardinal, you guys, um, it, it, it's, a, it's a final expense company uh final expense insurance company and they are fantastic they started uh, four years ago with uh nick dale and pedro vega they have doubled or tripled in growth every year year after year and they're looking to expand so right now there's a 500 referral bonus that's going out to anybody that gets recommended just so you guys know have an idea of what you're dealing with here we're talking about set your own schedule uh you know the the difference here is that you set the schedule not your clients and you don't set your schedule around your clients. You set your schedule around your kids or your life or your marriage or your, the things that you care about. And of course, um, multiple agents, book people and non-book people actually, but most of them are book people who have, are earning anywhere between twelve to 15000 a week, working anywhere between 25 to 35 hours. It almost seems illegal. As a Colombian, I promise you, there's only maybe one or two other things in life you can do that you can make that much money legally. Um, and so it's a phenomenal opportunity for you guys to work. Uh, there, of course, the culture is phenomenal. Sean Brifo, Greta Huerta, Pedro Vega. We're talking about some high caliber people who are doing great things. It's not a bad group of people to be a part of. 
Um, and so make sure you guys reach out to us. There is uh, a link below that you can uh, that you can click on and then you can get referrals there. So you can refer yourself or somebody you know, um, preferably book people, but they're okay with none. <laughs> so that is Cardinal. Thank you guys so much. Love you lots. Andrew, let me bring you back on the screen. Boom. Hello, sir. Welcome back. Hey, we're back. There you go. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So let's uh, let's switch gears real quick. I started talking about some Southwestern stuff, but uh, usually it's good to go chronologically when it comes to your experience with, with the door okay. stuff. So let's wind the clocks back. You're sitting in Kansas State. Wildcats. And um, <laughs> it's 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 almost the summer of 1989. What the heck are you doing? How did you get involved with this crazy, crazy adventure of going and selling books door to door? Oh, good question. You know, mine was a random phone call. I was in my dorms. Um, Roger Dirksen uh, called up and, um, you know, I was pretty skeptical with that first phone call. And I was like, okay, number one, I don't believe it. It seems kind of <laughs> cheesy and wrong. And uh, the people have been, you know, taken in vans and never seen again. And I, and I saw the, you know, I saw the magazine salesmen that were in my neighborhood growing up. And I was like, yeah, that's kind of doesn't seem right, but I want to investigate it. The main reason I was curious is because he, um, he, 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 he had the recruiting session at our career education center. It's called the, the, um, the, uh, career resource center. And so this is where all the companies come through to hire people for whatever degree you got, right? So I found that fascinating that, okay, why would the university allow them in that space and for something that was a scam? Like that, that was credibility to me. So when I went in there, I, uh, I, I it was really gullible. <laughs> I mean, I just went after everything he said and I was like, whoa, okay, so if you do that, you get this. And uh, <laughs> I've got five older brothers, okay? Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Chris. And then I got a little sister, Kathleen. So there's oh. seven of us in our household, right? Hold on. You got brothers named Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? Yeah. Your yeah. family is absolutely Muslim, yeah. right? Absolutely, Obviously we Muslim. Mostly Muslim, a little bit of Hindu, and we had yeah. lots of incense. I don't know what's up with that, but no. Uh, That's how random those names are. Straight up Catholic. <laughs> Straight up Catholic. Uh, nobody else was Catholic in our town. Um, I grew up in a small town of 900, and there were nine in our family, and that, that made us 1% of the population in our house. So it's just weird. But uh, being the youngest, you know, my brothers had tried things and done things, so I, I, I was still skeptical, and uh, but yet I was super competitive. And I was the ugly competitive, like – I would insult you just to feel like I got a one up. Like I, I wasn't a very good competitive person. Okay. I liked playing and doing games and being competitive, but I just wasn't a pretty at it. I was pretty ugly at it, to be honest. And um, so in this interview, I'm super competitive with these two other nobodies that, so I'm trying to impress Roger that <laughs> I'm the one he needs to choose out of these two other interviewed kids. And uh, I, I think he signed two out of the three, uh, if I remember right. And, and she, she didn't last 
beyond the second or third follow up. But uh, but no, I was pretty eager and and, and naive and and uh, and I, I I just needed a I needed money. I, I tell you what, I was uh, I was looking at no more Pell Grant and I had no money to pay for school. So my parents really didn't have much income to pay for college. That wasn't an option for us. Um, my dad was really dedicated to uh, getting us through uh, high school with a Catholic school education. So I went away to boarding school for high school. So I was in boarding school for four years before I went to K-State. So this was February of my freshman year, this opportunity to, to get away from Kansas. And, um, you know, I didn't have a car. Shoot, I barely had shoes, to be honest. I'm, uh, I'm not joking. I'm, I had no money to my name. Um, I was just in school because I had a Pell Grant, and that's what got me through the first year. So I had no idea how I was paying for tuition. I really had no idea, and wow. so it became a purpose, like a like a. And then and then and then I'm like, well, you know, Roger Dirksen, I love the guy's heart, but man, he wasn't he wasn't blowing me over with like, oh, I want to be like him right away, right? But fancy that, like, I think it was my second follow up or the next day, Lee McCroskey. He made me go to this Lee McCroskey <laughs> session and I'm like, the guy's from Wichita that he's done this like a majority of his, you know, adult life. And I'm like, why would he be doing this if he was a putz? Like, why would he be suckered into this? You know, so I could relate to Lee really well. And and, uh, and I don't think Lee liked me, but it was OK. I, I wanted to be liked by him, you know, and uh, and, and so. I found that uh, I will just grit it out and get through all the the spring semester just to uh, get to Nashville and, and and get started. So that's how I got rolling. So, oh man, it's yeah. it's hard to meet Lee McCroskey and not just want to spend time with him. Right, true, and his wife, Deb. Oh Deb my gosh, Deb is amazing. Deb would come to a few few sessions. I'm like, okay, now she's hot. Sorry, Deb. I mean, if you watch this, I'm. She's good looking. And I'm like, with Lee, what the heck? So uh, it was easy to be want uh, to want to be like them, you know, kind of as a 18 year old goals. Huh? Goals. They were goals. Yeah. Were yeah. Or just, someday. you know, hey, wow, you figured some things out in life and I'm just, just, just barely getting started. So yeah. And uh, he was funny and I wanted to bring friends to introduce him because he was, he, he made me laugh. And, uh, and I found that, Hey, people weren't so impressed by that job because it scares the pants off of you. And, and, but yet, uh, they were still impressed with Lee and that, that, that kind of maybe was the, the hinge that kept me kind of going, okay. Uh, it's been around since the civil war. Uh, someone like Lee McCroskey is a product of it. Um, okay. At least I got that much going for me. And so I didn't realize how intertwined Lee was with, uh, with sales school and, and he, he hadn't even, he was still starting Dr. Rock at the time. So like, of course our crew <laughs> felt like we owned Lee and we were like cheering him on. And, uh, and so he wasn't like this master ceremonies type of, that he, that he earned the right to be, you know? Um, yeah. in fact, the, my first summer was his last summer. He moved into that title after my summer. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Well, I, and I got to take this quick second. I'm sorry to, we'll get into the, the first sales school in summer and stuff because I have That's so many right. questions about summer of 89, but I got to give a quick shout out to Deb because, so oh, we had a, um, I don't know if you know this, but we launched our beer. We have a beer. Oh, you do? 
Aha. Yeah, we're currently working on distribution of it, and uh, uh, actually, just it's actually going along pretty well now again. And so we had it's being made in Florida. In Florida, but okay. we had to figure out how to distribute it to. Basically, what's happening is we have a we have a, a we call it our stable. So basically, if you're a fan of the show for free, you can just sign up to our newsletter, right, or a text messaging thing where like a new episode comes out, or anything cool, any fun news comes out, big announcements, you can just like get that. But then. If you want to get more involved, you want to support us, there's like a financial tiers that you can support us with monthly. And then that yeah. gets you either discounts on merch or you get like a bunch of different stuff. Well, one of those things is you get to get beer sent to you. So you get a four pack of our beer so you can watch oh, the fun. show and just drink a beer and just have fun. Maybe like whatever. Right. So it's yeah, it's a, it's a fun thing. And so uh, Heather. Okay. The, yeah, the yeah. So Heather, okay, got it. Yeah, yeah. So Heather Dutton's the one that brews her beer. Anyway, the reason I'm bringing this up is because we're doing like a like a beer launch. We're doing all over the country. We're going, and we're kind of doing like quick alumni meetings where people can come out and taste the beer and kind of get get to know us a little bit. Just kind of like a good marketing play, just to kind of raise awareness of what we're doing in the well, alumni communities throughout the major cities of the U.S. We are in Nashville naturally because I mean, <laughs> it's of Nashville, course. right? Right. And uh, we did this event at Lee's house. And oh, so okay. we had hors d'oeuvres and we had, but the planning of it was kind of like, we had to kind of like assemble it quickly. And we had some obstacles because of course things happen, car issues and stuff. And Deb stepped up and totally helped us get set up in their backyard. And they have a beautiful back door, backyard scene, they have yeah. a pool and it's really nice. And uh, Deb totally made it happen. I mean, we couldn't have done nice. better. So yeah, just huge. Problem. Huge yep. shout out to them. Love love them both. They're awesome people. Yep. Uh, Lee will be back on the show. He was already, a, uh, if you guys were listening to anyone else. I saw one a yeah, while back. Yeah, yeah, you could check it out. Up in the top corner, there should be able to click on the link. You can click on there. But um, but um, he'll he'll be back on the show again. You can't you can't, you can't have one episode of Lee Wachowski. You have to have. That's right. <laughs> you have to have multiple. So, Double dose. Double yeah, dose. multiple, multiple, multiple episodes. Anyway, big shout out to them. Um, anyway, okay. So sure. back to this. So Lee Wachowski, you're in. You're hooked. Ain't no way you you ain't stopping you. Right, and right, right. it's summer of 89 sure. and you go to sales school. Now, small Wichita, Kansas, Kansas, even Wichita, uh, even Kansas State, but yeah. sales school, Mort Utley, whole different conversation of, oh, yeah. of culture shock. What was that like to go to sales school? Oh, you know, I mean, th that was intriguing. I, th I, I was, I was impressed on how well it was organized and, uh, there was a part of me that was just so scared. I just remember just this anxiety that was deep in my core, just like, I don't want to do this. Like, but oh. I just remember going, I'm just impressed. Like, this is fun. I'm having a good time in those moments that it was entertaining. Um, and uh, I don't know. I really, I did, uh, I, 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 I just tried to put that feeling aside so that I could get through sales school. Um, it wasn't until halfway through sales school that they, um, it, that, that our crew was going to be in, uh, Eastern Tennessee, uh, Western Tennessee and oh. Central Tennessee. That was our territory. So then I'm like, okay, that's kind of cr crazy. And, uh, and, and, and that was kind of, that was kind of an interesting match. I, I really liked, um, the speakers and I liked, I liked the, uh, I liked the the way it was organized, the way that they uh, led into each day, and 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 it was it, it really helped me kind of process what uh, so much of what I just was scared about, and 
I mean, addressing everything from dogs to handling headquarters to handling all sorts of stuff that never even thought about before. So I was, it was impressive to me. It was sales school was impressive. They had the dogology thought of like everything. Was dogology. That dogology. Yeah. <laughs> JT Olson. Yeah, for sure. JT Olson. Yeah. So I saw JT and met JT. By the yeah. way, he's also going to be on the show. Um, but I met JT at Lee's house and he was like, yeah, I was the first person to taught dogology. I was like, <laughs> yeah, oh. <laughs> he was good at it too, man. I'm telling you, he just came here to Kansas city and we spent some time together with him and his wife. And, uh, he's, I support a ministry that he's in and, um, yeah. and, and I go, man, your stage presence is, is one of a kind. And cause he's speaking at some <laughs> churches here and, uh, I go, man, keep it up. Cause I like, I'll come watch you wherever you're at. Cause he's entertaining. And most of it started from the dogology um, presentation. So uh, he got me. So what's that? I can't see it. Oh, if you can't read it. It says JT Olson. Call JT Olson. Oh, That's it. Olson. Like, yeah, definitely. definitely. I literally have it on my screen because when I met him, he's like, yeah, I'll do a show. I'm like, oh, man. Yeah, and we, we're it. thinking we might do one with him and Lee. Oh, oh gosh. Yeah. Yeah. They, they will. It's nonstop. Like me and Grant. It'd be nonstop. Yeah. <laughs> Which, by the way, already already need a book. As soon as we're done here, we need to book a second episode. We'll okay, that's good. Because we need Greeter back. Um, and we'll get to that. So uh, a couple questions of summer of 89. So you're selling in Tennessee. I always like to ask that first week or that first door experience because it's. I feel like we all have that, but it's always different. And every person's story is always so interesting of their first. Do you remember your first door? Yeah, yeah, I do. I I, I get nervous even thinking about it. I didn't. I, there was so much about that, that morning it was raining. So top that off. And, um, I had this, this privilege of actually back in 89, the, the headquarters of Southwestern was in Franklin, Tennessee. Um, it was further South. It's where the mall, the cool Springs mall is at. That's where they're, that's where you got books. That's where, you know, um, all the headquarters and offices were at. Well, they had just sold all that. And that was, uh, everything was being moved to Landers Plaza where the headquarters is at now. Well, um, I just happened to get assigned Franklin, Tennessee for my territory. And my roommate was Brent, was Brentwood. And so we are in Williamson County. Uh, I, my, we had another roommate and I, I can't remember where his territory was. I think we were supposed to share Franklin, but he quit after a couple weeks. And, and, uh, and so, I got dropped off. We had to go get our permits. And so we were, I was in downtown Franklin and uh, he just basically dropped me off right there. We went and got our permits and I went and started knocking right near Franklin square. So uh, I don't know if I could go to the exact house, but I remember it raining and going, they didn't train me on raining. Like I didn't expect to be wet to my first door. Like that's just not what I was ready for. And uh, I just remember knocking on the first door. Nobody was home. I'm like, okay, now what do I do? Shoot. Okay. <laughs> I can't get pre-approach. Shoot. This was easier when it was just knocking on a fist, you know? And so uh, I just started walking and walking in the rain and uh, <laughs> going to the next door. And uh, it took me a while. Um, I remember the rain cleared a little bit and the sun came out and I ended up sitting on a porch and I did my first Mufu and, and they actually considered buying it. And I'm like, Oh, okay. I'll write you up. They said, well, we don't have a checkbook with us. And I'm like, I don't care. And I just kept on going <laughs> and I'm like, here's an order. And then I just, uh, I didn't even know what I was doing. 
Um, I think in deliveries, I don't even think I, I, I deliver. I didn't do that one. Right. It was a bad order, but, uh, <laughs> so I, I took a weak order just to get the ball rolling, but, um, that was a long day, long day. I, I, it, it was, uh, if I went around a couple blocks, I was like screwing up my map. It got all wet and I'm like, this isn't working. And then. I, I kept on messing up on my map because I would get lost and that brain that we just talked about, you know, trying to keep everything organized. Um, I was, I was like, this really sucks. This is not fun. I'm not enjoying this. And, uh, there was, I kept on getting mad at how many vacant houses were downtown. Right. So I'm like, okay, there's nobody here. And, um, I was kind of at that point where I was still wet and, um, I remember just kind of just getting really frustrated and I, I saw this cat on a porch and um, I'm like, you have more freedom than I do right now. Like I have no options. Like I've got to go to the next door. You can go wherever you want. And I was yelling at this cat and I was so freaking mad and I was angry and just like <laughs> disturbed. I was really disturbed. And, uh, and so I remember yelling at this cat and then it went underneath the porch and and I couldn't see it anymore. And I just said, but I don't care. I'm going to figure this thing out. I'm just going to figure it out. I don't care. Get away from me, you know, kind of deal. And, and just said, I don't care what the results are. I'm going to keep on moving. And so the rest of the day went okay. And I had this challenge, man, my first summer, I look back on it. It's even hard to describe because I, I don't remember it completely, but every night because I was in Franklin, I had to find a ride home. Like, he was up in Brentwood, 20 miles north of me, and he wasn't yeah. going to come down and get me and take me back. Our headquarters was in Brentwood. So I had to find a ride 20 miles north every day. So my first job <laughs> was to sell myself to somebody. Can At 930, can you take me somewhere north and oh drop me off God. at my house? <laughs> Is that not just strange? I'm can like, you imagine asking someone today that? Like no, I just still, like I'm sitting there going, I really had to do that. That was the first task. <laughs> if I didn't, and then, so like if somebody would say oh, no, man. I'm knocking on their door. Hey, now, I'm Andrew. I'm, uh, I'm doing something. I'm selling like this. Hey, no, we don't like you. Okay. Hey, um, later on about 930, would you guys, if your light was on, can I knock on your door? Would you take me? <laughs> like, I had to can you take me 20 like, miles right? away from here? 40 yeah. mile round trip. Yeah. <laughs> Who cares about the books? But at 9 30 will you be home what oh the hell? my god and so yep, that was not in the training book and uh and uh halfway through my summer um i knock on um uh greg boucher greg boucher um thinking ahead think about thinking ahead he's one of the vice presidents of uh sbr back in the day he he took me for like three weeks i would if i could get my house if I could get to Greg's house, he'd drive me home. He did that for three weeks. So I ended up finding a few alumni being that it was near the headquarters. I got lucky on a few of those. Um, had to hitchhike. I will tell you, um, one night uh, I we had we had to go to the payphones. So you had to find a payphone, Sonics, outdoor payphones, Sonics and 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 laundromats and 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 a couple other places had had some sort of like exterior uh, payphones. So I had to 
dial this 800 number and then tell them when it, where to pick me up if if I needed a ride, okay? And this one night, he said he was going to come get me because he was selling further west. And I was like, okay, Jay. Jay was my roommate. Jay Dobson. And uh, he uh, he goes, uh, yeah, I'll meet you over here at the Sonic. And so it's 9.30, 9.45. He's not showing up. So I dial the stupid number, and he's not answering. Nothing's working. Like, there's no message left for me. So I end up uh, starting to hitchhike. And um, I hitchhike. And I only go like two miles and then I get the police, the what do you, blue light special and the, I get pulled That's over great. while I'm on the side of the road hitchhiking and he's, uh, the, the officer's like, where are you going again? And I go, well, I'm trying to get up to Brentwood and, and sure enough, I got lucky. This cop actually, he, he's like, Hey, I, I'm going up the highway a little bit. I'll take you up to the Franklin city limits. So I got all the way to the city limits. Then I had to get further, right? So then, lo and behold, when I get home, um, Jay's in bed. And I'm like, what the heck? Why are you in bed? Well, around dusk there, it, the sun was going down around 6 o'clock. He had been working with another manager. And he was running from the house to his car out in the country. And he hit a clothesline right at his mouth. A clothesline and Damn. like a spindle he he went up in the ground his feet went up and he spun around on his that clothesline on his mouth and it took out like four teeth that's and he torque. fell to the ground yeah and so he had all these teeth like eject out of his mouth <laughs> oh, so he was in the hospital at like seven o'clock the guy he's working with takes him to the hospital he has all this surgery done on his mouth and makes it back to the house has no way to talk about what happened he tells my host family but i end up that that was a crazy night like i don't think i got home until 11 30 or midnight it was it took me that long to get all the way back to my headquarters but is that not crazy unbelievable that's crazy yeah, that's <laughs> so a couple of things that's a couple crazy. things that's crazy. We had Lee McCroskey and a couple other folks who sold in like the 70s, early yeah. 80s, and, and yeah. even Jim Potts sold in the 60s. And they, they would hitchhike to sales school. Oh, yeah. I've heard about that. That was so normal to them. Like, oh, yeah. What do you, how do I get to Nashville? I don't know. Just find a fucking way. You're like, all right. So just get to Nashville, I guess. Thumbs up. <laughs> and, and they had to hitchhike. Oh my gosh! You had to hitchhike home just to get just every to get every day. The first sale was how am I getting home? I how I had wild. to find a ride. It was crazy. I mean, if you could do that, then the 08 crash in real estate nothing. is nothing. nothing. That's nothing. <laughs> yeah, that's You're right. like, oh, oh, the world economy collapsed. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Got nothing on me. I can hitchhike anywhere. You know. Oh, um, <laughs> wow wild man that is so wild and and it's and it's funny because you think back on it and you're like what the heck was i doing like i know how how it, how did i do that like you know, I, what I mean? you know it's, it's funny because i had a i had a car from that point on but the thing that they didn't prepare you for in sales school is rain because when you have wet shoes wet socks wet clothes and you're just trying to get in a door that didn't make any sense. Like you're dripping wet. 
you're you're just like there's no change of clothes you know you gotta wait till it gets dropped it doesn't make any sense at all like in far as being presentable <laughs> nothing there's no way to protect yourself from the from whatever's coming through it's crazy so it's so it's it's wild the, the man there was you, those days i'm telling and they would tell you and they would tell you know oh, i'll wear a rain jacket you're like no you don't understand it like mm -mm. it like it doesn't work mm -mm. it when you're 14 hours outside it just yeah Honestly, yeah. the best thing you can do, so it just so you could just get over it quickly, is just stand there for like five. Just get out schedule for five ten minutes and just wait to just get soaked. <laughs> so then you can be over it, yeah, and then just right. go. You know it's, what I mean? I to jump under the next awning. Yeah, yeah. My yeah. second summer, I was with Jordan Ortmeyer. She was following me that day, and she was like really struggling because the rain. She couldn't handle the rain, and she's this beautiful girl, like from Minnesota, just super nice, really. Really right. awesome. She was on the show, actually. She's been on the show. Just awesome chick. And but she just struggled with the rain. And it's uh, lo and behold, she got pulled behind me because we had a couple days of rain. And she's like, We're yeah. gonna have her follow you because you have fun in the book field. And so I was like, All right. So she's following me, and it's three o'clock, and you could tell she's just like trying, and you know, and you know, you don't want you're the first year that's following you, you don't want them to be negative, you don't want them to even like sure talk, because you're yeah. you're so in the zone that you're like, Don't yeah. bitch about anything. Yeah, right. Like, I need Stop you to just be with, yeah, and you could tell. She was, I'm like, you know what? Here's what we're going to do. I just pulled, we're in the middle of nowhere. Stopped the car. I'm like, listen, we're going to go outside and we're going to go dance in the rain for 10 minutes and just have a blast. Get, get wet, get soaked. Do <laughs> there's puddles. We're going to jump into every puddle. We'll see. She's like, okay. So I put the bar. We're, we're jumping in the puddles. We're doing crazy execs. And we, I, I, I put, I start blasting salsa through the car so you could hear it yeah. still on the outside. And I mm -hmm. dance some salsa mm -hmm. with her. I'm like, nice. this is fun. We're just doing fun. We're just having fun in the rain. And then we get back in the car and I'm like, okay, we can't get any wetter than this. So let's just keep having fun, but with yeah. Mrs. Jones. Right. And, you know, I, I, that's a core memory because it just, you just later in life when, the rain hits, whether it's actual rain or shit, sure. or life hit, deals you. You're just like, you know what? Just get it all over you. You can't get any worse than if it's everywhere. So right. just might as well yeah. dive in. Yeah. There's a part and, of it that you get to acceptance because there's no other option. Um, yeah. And I, well, I used to tell students, hey, rain is what makes things grow. So get out there and grow. That good old country song, rain makes corn, right. corn makes whiskey. Uh, yeah, there you go. I think I think that was before the book field, but um, but they uh, <laughs> that dynamic was uh, was wasn't taught to me in sales school. Like, okay, yeah, it might rain, it might rain, bull, it rains in the summer. It's not like Do it. No drought summer that nobody gets all the way through. But anyway, so uh, you know, I. I found that to be the most challenging part of my summer is, uh, you know, sometimes like I, I heard Amy Rogers tell her book story on a bike. Cause she, she lived with me and my brother in uh, Jackson, Mississippi, when we were selling there. So get this, all the territories I've sold, unless you want this now is yeah, sure. Let's do it. Franklin, yep. Jackson, Mississippi. Oh, then near, uh, get this summer of 91 Chalmette, Louisiana. Louisiana, New Orleans. Buy the battery. Then Houston. Then I go sell and 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 part of Alex Bednar. If you know Alex Bednar uh, in the organization, uh, he broke the record after Dave Dave Rosen. Um, and the summer of '92, we went to all. We were all in Houston. 
with Nebraska. I think I sold with Nebraska people. Um, and then uh, uh, Curtis Rogers and Jeff Boyd and I went to Illinois. I've been in right there. I have not repeated a territory. So of all those, I've not gone back to the same territory that some people end up doing. So then I go down to uh, Louisiana the next summer and then up to Seattle. And then I oh. end up, uh, I, yeah, I sold in Seattle. Um, we went all the way down. Nobody got to Portland, but we went down to, uh, past Olympia. I, I sold some books in Olympia. And um, beautiful, it's so it's so pretty up there. It's a great place to sell. And I I sold in the summer of '95, in the middle of '95, when Jay Leno flies in on a helicopter to release Windows '95 in Seattle, and I had to I had to sell up against that. Like (laughs) nobody was home. Like that was a big deal in Seattle. Like seriously. Um, And then ended up in uh, Northwest Northeast Texas near. uh, Tyler, Texas is kind of where I sold my last summer. So how wild, but, uh, yeah. So there wasn't a lot of repeats. You were strictly Northeast. Most of grants was New York, yeah. Connecticut, uh, Pennsylvania. Yeah. I mean, I guess I never repeated. Well, I guess I, I repeated states a couple of times, but yeah, it was primarily that. And it's all the same there. I mean, yeah. yeah. You know, Massachusetts. Ah, I shouldn't say that. That's not true. It's all the same from the same point of the aesthetic. It all looks the same. Vermont is the clear outlier. And then, of course, New York. Like Vermont mm-hmm. New York are some of the – and I'm into now 40, 47 states, I think, now. New York and Vermont are beautiful places <laughs> to sell books. And, and you sold near Syracuse New- in New York? Yeah, it was kind of close. My first summer I was in Hornell, New York, which was just uh, near Buffalo, Rochester, Syracuse area, like the still more north, like right on the on the U.S. border. Uh, actually, no, I was further south. So some of our org was up in Buffalo, but I was like, some. I even had a couple Pennsylvania customers. Oh, you were down. Okay, you were yeah. Pennsylvania. Then I went to Massachusetts. That was a Massachusetts is a unique location on the planet. Is that right? It's so weird they have like a variety of like so the closer you get to boston or at least where i was i got i was closer i got closer to boston so some of the people i was selling to were just stupid rich like i sold neighborhoods where it was like the average house was like two and a half million dollars in 2013 dollars which is saying a lot because the market's just changed i mean those houses have to be five Don't six those million have now, gates like most of those houses have gates they would sometimes but yeah. you just have to like Hey, I'm the book guy. Like, just uh, and what happened was, and I've told this story before, but long story short, there was a high school in, in Andover called Phillips Exeter. It's like the number one high school or one of the top high schools in the US. Like, the Kennedys went to school there. Okay. Right? Chi- the Chinese emperor sends his daughter there, whatever okay. kind of shit. Wow. And they had $50,000 a year to take a kid to school to there. 75% elementary. of the graduate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, high school. It's a high school. It's a prep school. And then 75% of the graduating senior class goes to Harvard is the acceptance wow. rate from that. Yeah, it's just nuts. It's the money, right? Follow yeah, money. it's where, you know, I mean, the worst rejection I ever got was from that town, but from oh, that I, area. Oh, yeah, that's but, tough. Yeah, you're not going to get a lot of yeses. Yep. Yeah, but I got a yes from the math teacher of the school. She bought two sets, one for home, one for the classroom. And after that, it was Dr. Lisa. Uh, I can't remember her last name now. Uh, I just called her Lisa. She's like, don't call me doctor. Just call me Lisa. I'm like, all right. And I, I, she bought, and it was over i mean the it was like Navy. i hate pc it was like yeah, oh yeah this this is dr lisa bot you know and everyone knew her dr lisa so it was like 
Oh, well, she what did she buy? She bought the whole set. Okay, cool. Like if if I was able to get in, right? But but once I got <laughs> hey, in, it was the like, accent buying. came out just a second ago. I heard the accent. Oh, she bought. What do I just heard you say? Yeah, what she buy? <laughs> <laughs> well, what did she get? I, yeah. And you buy cat? That is so funny. Whenever I would sell, I for so long, you you heard my track record. Almost everything I sold was in the south. And for some reason, when I sell books, I will get this little accent and I would start talking with the accent every time I would go and whatever I do, you know, yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. You know, and so like when I come back to K-State, people are like, who are you? Like, you're weird. Like, why are you talking that way? I'm going back and, to school. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Like, what? And uh, so in Seattle, that didn't work. Like some of my twang wasn't working in the way that I would want it to work. So uh illinois and i couldn't do it in illinois and seattle it just wasn't the same thing how uh, odd but yeah what, what was your favorite place to sell if you had to pick one place you're like wow that, i would do that again oh boy i i probably had the most relaxing and you know not stressful uh was seattle because of the the heat oh, nice. it just oh, the, i was yes. selling right at the base of mount rainier i was in enumclaw covington i was in the country like that was yeah. my territory outside of yeah. Auburn. And and honestly, when you're so big, you could see it from so far away. So I can't yeah. imagine if you're at the base, it just, yeah. that, that you just would right knock before, on a door and look. Yeah. I was right before when uh, park. So like, I mean, I sold right up against the boundary of the park. So wow. you couldn't sell any closer to than I did. That's and so I pretty. I, mean, that, the, I met some great families there. Um, see, I really like Louisiana though. I, I, I still stay in touch with some families in Chalmette. Uh, after Katrina, you know, I invited them up here to my home and these are just customers that I knocked on the door. They, they, uh, and that might be a story for another, for later in the show, but I'll a tell ponytail. those for, for a ponytail. Okay. Yeah. So. <laughs> cool. Yeah. I mean, it's, I can't imagine like, so people have a hard time understanding how beautiful the summers are here because like in Portland yeah. or just Pacific Northwest in general, but like this morning I went to the gym and I had a sweatshirt on. Not because I mm. needed it, but it was just like the right weather where it's like that sweatshirt weather. The sun was mm. out. The sun is out now, but like, but it's just, it, and then as the day gets on, it gets the warmest actually in the afternoon. So like right now is actually the warmest. It'll be all day and it'll mm -hmm. stay warm well past dusk. And so it's yeah. so nice yeah. in the summer right. and people, it rains a lot. I mean, yeah, you get a sprinkle here or there, but it's not as, it's not like it rains every day, all day. It just, it'll rain once a day, which by definition, it means it rains Mm -hmm. a lot you know mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. really oh, the summers here are so i, I would say that that's moss. i think it was <sighs> that because in the south selling in houston louisiana both both near new orleans um it's just so musky and you're you just your shirt sticks to your body and then and then it's hard to stay professional and i felt the most professional in seattle and um, I think that summer with Curtis Rogers, when we were OLs together in uh, Champaign-Urbana, I sold in Champaign-Urbana near University of Illinois. Um, that was uh, another good, again, I think that helped because I had that heat so many summers that that helped me not feel so, yeah. wow, it's impossible, you know? So you had the Northeast, I think, I think great. Yeah, it's nice there too. It's, it, it flurried like one morning, I'm like on the book field. Mm -hmm. That just doesn't happen, yeah. you know. I'm like, 
Um, uh, week week one, summer number four for me. I did four summers. Fourth summer was in Vermont. Week one, day one and two, we woke up and we looked outside and there was snow on our on our cars. Like not enough that it was like inches or anything, but like, like, like kind of snow where like, yeah, like no, like snow. Like you would drive and then it would fly away as you drove, but definitely what? snow. Like you're like, oh, it snowed. <laughs> yep. and so and and didn't have to try to do cold showers because like they you know they kind of have the plumbing set for that but it's not like in nebraska or the midwest where it's like we're ready for cold it's like if it gets cold you just kind of have to deal with it and it sucks even the warm shower isn't even warm like you have no choice right. it's gonna be cold <laughs> and if you turn it all the way cold they're like <laughs> but yeah it snows right. up there and it's nice summers up there too I agree. Yeah. And there's a different experience when you're not having to deal with that as a, as an obstacle, right? Um, whether it's yeah. just the, the, the overwhelming exhaustion from the heat or, you know, like, like get this, like just, we, I would pack a salad and try and keep it in a cooler. My cooler would be melted by lunchtime. So because of how hot it got in the car. Right. So you're like, this ain't even fair. Like, that's not right. Like, <laughs> what is this no man yeah like what so okay question about 89 and then we can move on into some of your other summers and stuff that that memorable memorable highlights but that's the summer everybody knows right that's the summer of zizzy and rosen and yeah as a first year how do you what do you remember about like watching these giants because i remember i'm assuming you're i guess i don't know how that summer went for you but like it had to be kind of interesting to know that you're like, wow, that's what's possible. And, you know, at the time they're breaking the record. But what was that like for yeah. you? You know, I, I, to be honest, I was just surviving. Um, <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I just didn't want to quit. I just, I knew that if I quit that I'd probably have, I'd already been delayed on any other work. I wouldn't be able to, it was all about the money. So I was just like, I'm just got to put my head down and work. Um, you know, I, I I was progressive. If if you look at my summer too, I sucked week one. I did I did less than sucky the second week, and then I did a little bit better than sucky on the third week. And by the fourth week, I was starting to develop some habits. And again, with no car, it was hard. Like it was just very difficult. It, it just, I felt against the grain. The only thing I had going for me, which was special is that I would run into an alumni from now and then because I'm I'm knocking on doors right by the headquarters. So there'd be like, a, a you know, a little bit of encouragement or, you know, just a little bit like, okay, this isn't, th- th- gut it out. It'll be worth it kind of deal. And that, I, no one else had that privilege. I, I think that was, I was the only person that sold by the campus like that to endure a summer. I mean, Towards the end of the summer, I mean, I'm, I'm knocking on Craig Soder's door, Craig Soder's oh. door, and I met his daughter, his wife, you know, they they bought a, uh, it's called a Magical Tales. <laughs> you guys never sold them. We only sold them like one or two summers. It's called Magical <laughs> Tales or something like that. I, I don't remember much about it. And it was the only book they never owned, right? So they bought it from me. But, you know, I knocked on Jerry Huffle's door. Now, he was the president when Whoa. when when I was in. So that yeah. was, I, I just randomly was in his territory, that part of the, where I was knocking. Um, uh, I, I ended up getting busted once because I knock on this lady's door who'd been helping me kind of get a ride at night. 
that new uh, my sales manager and, and Lee. So Lee, Lee McCroskey and Roy were Roy Washington. was under uh, the other way around. Lee was under Roy McCross. Uh, Roy Lofton. Whatever. Lee McCroskey yeah. was underneath Roy Lofton's group. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't know Roy that well, but he did help us in some of the training. And um, this one lady was so helpful. I would always go back to her house because it would be a thing where I could get some help. And I knock on this door and um, I think it's a Saturday. It must have been. And uh, and she's like, yeah, come on in. And I'm like, OK, cool. Thanks. You know, and I'm, you know, just trying to get help. I don't know exactly what for, like territorial or pre-approach. And she's like, come on in, come on in. And I'm like, okay, whatever. I don't really need to spend a lot of time here. And she opens up the sliding door to her back patio. And there is sitting Roy and Lee McCroskey at a barbecue. And I'm like, no, I'm not supposed to bump into you guys. Like, this isn't right. Like, how many people bump into their sales manager as they're knocking on doors? And it looks like I'm off schedule because I'm getting some help from a neighborhood friend. And Oh gosh. And so they're like, get out, go to the next door. And I'm like, Oh gosh. So that doesn't happen very often in people's first summers. And that is uh, unique. Yeah. I, that is- I, I was really, and, and it was interesting because I think I was, um, I was so naive, but it was really helpful to meet some of these sales managers. Um, you know, uh, John Lederbach was kind of a big name at the time. Um, and, uh, his family, it was just neat to see where they live their see their lifestyle and that you know that that was a testament to something okay that wasn't fabricated or made up or fake and it wasn't a testimony it was just like oh wait these are real people that are training people that are selling books they're sales managers and so i think i had that privilege which was kind of special for for summer for you know that's sweet you know so i really didn't i i, I wasn't super competitive on that kind of stuff of watching pace setters. In fact, it was intimidating to look at pace setters because I, I, I didn't feel like it was a, a possibility to even have those numbers. And, um, you know, uh, as I progressed, so every week I got better, like I would sell a little bit better than the week before. And as it got towards the end of the summer and some other people that had started off, you know, like selling really, a lot of books early. Okay. I was starting to pick up with their, uh, sale volume. Like I was starting to pass a lot of people as the summer went along. And, um, I think my last three weeks I sold more every week on top of every week. So I hit, I want to win twice. Um, and I ended up like, uh, really favoring I want to win because I'm like, wait, that's where I made all my money. I made almost all my money in the last three weeks. And so that's, uh, that's you're, you're like the classic ideal first year. Right. Like you're, you were right. the canvassing chart that they showed every, yeah. every first year, the next year. Right. Like this is right. Wow. Yeah. This is how Andrew did. It was, it was more of a desperation than it was willingness. I mean, I think it was, <laughs> I needed to pay for school. I didn't have any other money. And, um, and, but at that point I was starting to get the rhythm of what's next. Like, okay. I started getting the rhythm of, Hey, this is a, just a process. Go, 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 get a couple sales and, and, and you'll chime in. And so that, and I was also in Brentwood. So I had exhausted yeah. Fred, friend, uh, uh, Franklin and I was heading into 
parts of Brentwood because my roommate was already delivering. So he couldn't drop me off every morning. So, um, and, and that there was a little bit more money and I could cash them out too. Um, I still was on my bike, but I was able to sell bigger sets. And, um, so I was a big, I want to win trainer and manager too, because I wanted people to, um, to try to accomplish that or think outside the box. Um, I ended up, I, I, I'm not hundred percent sure I was number one or really close to number one in our organization that summer, um, because of that, um, finish. So that's, that is so cool. Like that is, that is such a cool, not many people that we've had on the show had that where it, like they finished. I mean, so we've had some, but it's, that's usually not the, not the, not the norm. So there's something a lot to say about, you know, the, a person that can, Mm-hmm. have that mentality that to, to close and finish strong uh, i never want to want to win you know and mm. it's such a cool such a cool thing to be able to do I you think know the, the number one here. rookie was out of nebraska that summer so she, she her name was natalie she was responsible for recruiting Gr- curtis and then curtis Recruited was also Grant. responsible for Curtis. you know so natalie was number one at the summer of 89 and she was this tall tall good looking blonde like just like volleyball player nebraska whatever. Nebraska and um, Amazons where the Amazons are made. And, um, she, uh, she was, uh, she, it, it was, it was quite intimidating to be around her, but during training, you didn't, you, the, Nebraska came through differently than K state did. So we weren't in training sales school with them. So I never really met a lot of the Nebraska people until we went into student manager. And then most of my friends were part of Roy's organization up there. And, um, and Nebraska was in the top, I think the top five, almost all of my Southwestern career. Um, yeah, they were in, in the top. And part of that's really from Natalie because Linda Berry, um, does that ring a bell to you? Yeah. I've heard of Linda as well. She's now Linda Smith. She was the catalyst to the big explosion of Nebraska. Well, today I still do business with Linda. So Linda, <laughs> she, uh, my ex-wife and her started a company. She lives here in Kansas City, uh, and and that that was a great venture. And then um, uh, she ends up joining this company where I do all my drone videos. So she and I, oh, I do a property. I call Linda. You know, so it's we gotta cool. get Linda on the show. That's what we yeah. Linda, do. I'm telling you, Linda's probably. She has her fingertips on almost anything amazing in the Midwest that's happened. Um, she was the cat, I think, three 20 person teams back to back to back. And just, uh, just a high quality person. I mean, really high quality and a great recruiter. Um, her husband sold. And so there's a there's a nucleus of. Uh, of couple of, of book couples here in Kansas City, like John and Gina Ogren. Um, that may not ring a bell to you, but Johnny O was his name. Good friends with Eric Dunlop. Um, in fact, he just yep. went to Nashville to go see Eric Dunlop play in a band, uh, this weekend. And I, <laughs> I have breakfast with John, Johnny O, uh, every other week, you know, um, and his son and my sons all went to the same high school. We're all in the same vicinity. I've sold him a house and moved them a couple times. So that's kind of the cool part of, uh, Kansas City is we've got a, a lot of people from Nebraska here. Gina was a wow. UN grad. Mm-hmm. 
We need to have like a we need to have like a like a like a beer tasting either in Omaha or in Kansas City where like all y'all can come up kind of like meet up there and and I mean anytime there's a gives me you know, gives me an excuse to go to the Midwest and see my family. Yeah, the, the, the another campus that was really big when I was in school was Nebraska Wesleyan, so there was a nucleus yeah. of girls there that uh, were just really solid sales saleswomen. And they all did so great. Uh, Sharon Lundquist, who's now Sharon Mitchell, her husband uh, went to K State with me, and so yeah, a lot of book, a lot of book couples here in Kansas City. So Pretty, cool, yeah. yeah. Hey, if we do a party, if we do a party in Omaha or in Lincoln, you got you got to bring out the folks. You can okay. come out and yeah, we'll do, we'll do grand. Yeah, that'd be fun. We have to do that, we, obviously, because Nick Nick Tiverti, he's on our he's uh, he handles jockey stuff. He he. Is from Nebraska, and obviously I got ties down there as well. So we have yeah. to do a. We're gonna have to do one. That's is Nick in Omaha or is he in Lincoln? Nick is in Gainesville. Gainesville. He is originally from Omaha, but he's in Gainesville right now. But Gainesville. his family, his roots, Florida. Florida? Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, Miami. Or not Miami. You know, you know a guy named Jordan Kush. Oh, do I know Joel Kush? Do I, do I know Joel Kush? Joel, I, I helped Joel get a house. I think that was a referral from Pat Roach. Oh, uh, yeah, they're down there. About they're five in or Kansas. Six years ago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, well, they were. Are they still in Kansas City? Or did they move back to He Omaha? moved since then, but he he moved in the north part of Kansas City. So I'm in the southern part. Uh, so, yeah. yeah, I love Joel and Jess. Good. They're awesome. Good, get, yeah, good. He, yeah, his house was right next to the airport. Right. I, would, I, would, I would go down there and park there. Yeah. So I can yeah. then take an Uber so I don't have to pay parking because it's cheaper yeah. to just take an Uber. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Dude, Joel, Joel is uh, – uh, talk about the solid human being of a mm-hmm. person. Like mm-hmm. I, it's such a nice guy. He's the youngest of like nine, has 30 pieces and everything. He's just a nice dude. similar, man. It's crazy. So, such a nice guy. I He's love good Joel. Kid. Good kid. Joel Kush, hope you're listening. Love you lots, buddy. Yeah, I do. Um, yeah, this is so fun, Andrew. Okay, yeah. okay. I have so I have a couple more questions. I don't know how much time you have, but 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 I have but I have but I have questions for you. Okay, so we have to talk about meeting Grant Greeter because Grant is such a legend to the Southwestern uh, community. I feel like Grant spent twenty five years of his life uh, devoted into this whole thing, right? And and, and I knew him once we, he was. I mean, I don't know if he's always been the same, but you know, I knew him once he was already the DSL like this legend, right? But what was he like when you first met him? What was it like meeting Grant Greeter? And 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 can you talk a little bit about, not maybe not even specifically to Grant, but like the friendships that you can still hold on to uh, despite not being in Southwestern anymore, but like how 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 you still kind of keep in touch with those people and how special those those connections are? Yeah, you know, I, I cherish almost anybody that I sold, ran organizations with, um, just as the as a high caliber person, you know, and they, and so I have a lot of genuine respect for everybody that that swung the bookcase, um, that that I've I've kept in touch with. Um, my my first my first meeting with Grant um, uh, was unique. So I, I I was in an organization selling in Louisiana. So we were selling, and. Um, I was so slow, man. I was like a turtle. I just, just did not go out of the gate selling a lot of books. I just, I wasn't, I wasn't super special at being a salesman right out of the gates. It was very unassertive, low uh, confidence kind of guy. Okay. 
And so um, as I started getting better, it was that summer of 91 that um, that I was uh, starting to figure it out. And so I had just hit PC maybe week six or seven, okay? And I'm in New Orleans. And um, we're going to have two orgs meet. So Linda Berry, Linda Smith um, today is running an organization in, in, in the, west, the eastern part of Texas. So Houston... Uh, Beaumont, Texas, uh, Corpus Christi, all the way up through College Station, all the way to the border of Louisiana. And so our orgs are going to meet over in um, Cleveland, uh, Cleveland, Texas, I think is what it was called. And um, my commute was four and a half hours. Like I had to leave New Orleans and get there for a Sunday meeting. So for Saturday night. So that means I, mm. I had to hit PC by six o'clock. So that's hard to do when I needed those three hours to get a few yeah. more sales in. And well, and for people who might not understand, like Saturday is when your bread and butter is. Like all week, you've almost kind of right. been working to because people aren't home. You're, so you still kind of get information right. about where to hit. But Saturday right. is when you could kind of go and clean up. And so it's those three hours might not seem like a lot out of, I don't know, 80 hours a week. But those are yeah. really crucial hours of, of right. your week. So right. just to, right. sorry, so to explain. To cut my Saturday off early and and my roommates are waiting for me. And because they, they already are off schedule. So they, they, they cleaned up whenever they wanted to at noon, let's call it. But anyway, so, uh, I hit PC like at seven o'clock and I'm like, I just need five eleven. Okay. Numbers. I, how do I remember that stupid number? So five eleven, five hundred 500 was president's club when I was in, was when I was in the biz and it's my first PC, my third summer. And so I'm so excited. I'm just like pumped. And, and, uh, and I'm heading out of my territory. So I'm on the the farthest southern eastern part of Louisiana, and I've got to get to the western border in, uh, for this, this engagement. Well, <clears throat> that, uh, I can't remember how many customers I had, but that, that week, Grant had 66 customers, okay? <laughs> and most of them were half, like that, let's say half down, so they were weak. Well, he was a newbie. He was a rookie, right? And so um, we're doing uh, recognition, and we're at this lake in Cleveland, Texas. And I'm doing. I'm still up, you know, as a manager, and he's still up as a as a rookie. And we're both the last two standing in the water, you know, uh, getting recognized. So that's how we first were kind of on the same page near each other, and. Um, <laughs> You know, I'm throwing kids in the water and just kind of goofing around and uh, strangers, you know, <laughs> and Grant <laughs> thought that was really uh, quite uh, aggressive. And um, and anyway, but he uh, he he was fascinating and in, in, in how I love how Star Wars is so important to him because it's just <laughs> it's just the force like he has this mentality that uh, was well, I just do it because that's who I am. Like, that's, I just do this many customers. I just took the orders because people said yes. Like, it's almost like black and white to a certain degree. But <clears throat> uh, he was very, um, in my opinion, he was just like focused. I'm going to go do what you just told me to do because I know it's good for me and I'm just going to go do it. And um, so I didn't necessarily know him or we didn't get to know each other more than that. But it wasn't until uh, the summer of 93, so that was summer of 91. So then we meet each other and kind of spend a little bit more time in, in recruiting 
uh, great recruiters and other uh, events because we're in with with Roy Lofton. We were all in the same right uh, follow up. Uh, you know, because we're doing getbacks everywhere. Yeah, yeah, the all city, the you know, yeah. Right. And so Curtis and I were good friends, and uh, and Jeff Boyd, uh, they recruited on the uh, on the KU campus in the summer of uh, the spring of '93. So Curtis and and Jeff Boyd and I ran an organization in Illinois. So everything that Curtis was a part of, Grant would be a part of at some point. Um, but that summer, Curtis and um, Grant went a different way. So Grant went to the Northeast and we went to Illinois. And that's mm. how Grant and I kind of got started. So when at the at the middle of that summer, people are like, what are you doing after? You know, I graduated K-State in May. And so people were like, what are you doing? I'm like, I don't know. I have nothing to do. So I'll go on a trip. Well, Grant had nothing to do. And there was a couple others in Roy's organization and uh, Australia was the talk at the time to get there. Now I'll tell you what, I'll talk about that later if you want me to, but about yeah. our trip to Australia, but let me know if it's now's the time. So, I mean, it, it ponytails comes, uh, if, if, is it a ponytail? Is it one of like a, is it it's a just one? a trip. So I don't know if it's a ponytail or not. It's a, sure. It's a, you could tell it now if you want yeah. to. That's fine. So anyway, ponytails so, are like your best ones for like yeah. the, the, the juicy ones. So part of grant is, is fascinating because, uh, uh, Grant really adopted the, the the idea that, hey, if I spend no money, then I make more money. Okay, so Grant's like <laughs> he still is that way. Like, I mean, yeah, he's still that way. But um, <laughs> but when we were going on this trip, uh, he was in charge of buying tickets, and so this is before the internet. This is before um, uh, methodology. You just had to call an eight hundred number to get tickets. And for some reason, him and a couple other buddies that had sold books before had said, hey, listen, you can buy cargo tickets and fly as cargo for like $500 to Australia. No. <laughs> and, and we're like, what? Holy cow, we can just sit in the bottom of a plane and go as cargo and we'll get to Australia round trip? Somehow Grant was on this thing. I mean, he had researched it, he had figured it out, and I guess we sit next to boxes. I don't get it. Like, we have parachutes on. I don't even know what this is going to be. But oh, somehow, before nine eleven, he was dead set on this is going to be. I think it was even five hundred dollars, like two hundred bucks. And um, well, we were just trusting him. I'm like, all right, Grant, whatever. You buy the tickets, and we're going. Okay. So as as we're preparing for that summer, we we left in October. So to get those tickets was the month of September. And I think both of us had really good summers. Um, but uh, so anyway, but I thought that was fascinating. He ended up going, you know, it's not the very practical and we ended up doing American Airlines or something like that at the, at the last minute um, round trip to Australia. But that was Grant's <laughs> attempt to save a lot of money. I'll tell you about the trip to Europe when uh, he bought the tickets on, he tried to do the same thing with the cargo thing and that wasn't cutting it. This was in the, uh, <laughs> this was in 95. So this is after my Seattle summer. And uh, <laughs> he uh, tried the cargo thing again and it wasn't cutting it. So this is, we're going to Europe with uh, with Emily Drews in Nebraska, uh, Rob Downey, Nebraska, and Grant and I. And uh, we were gonna rent a car and go through Europe. Well, he tried it again and it wasn't, the cargo thing wasn't cutting it. And so, uh, 
he ends up getting the next best thing, which is Royal Jordanian Airlines. Uh-huh. Yeah, believe it or not, it exists. I don't know how else, but that's the cheapest flights to Amsterdam um, from Chicago. And uh, lo and behold, on the way back from, from Amsterdam, on our way back to the States, we get a bomb threat. So Grant, me, Rob Downey, and Emily Drews land in Richavik, Iceland because uh, the plane needs to be vacated in case there's a bomb on it. We had no idea what was going on. And so uh, we, we spent 17 hours in Iceland just because of Grant picking Royal Jordanian Airlines. Like, seriously, Grant, like, come on. We need to work on your Spend shop. a dollar. Yeah, Spend a dollar. That, the dude will wipe his butt with confetti if it was yeah. because it's cheaper. Yeah. Just, that's how cheap. Yeah, he's how to do it. I mean, he's really good at it. Let's just put it. Back. It's actually amazing. It's it's an it art is. form of being able to understand like how cheap. It's not cheap for the cheaps. I mean, it's just. I mean, honestly, he's he's got. He's doing so well right now that you can't yeah. blame him. Well, and, and it's worked for him. Like in that in that setup, Southwestern worked for that mentality of hey, uh, you know that you follow that line and you're going to have some savings at the end of it. I mean, you're going to have yeah. some a nest egg, and uh, not very many people could do that. I'm just telling you, not very many people could do it for that long. So, anyway, I, th- I thought I'd share that with you. I think it's such a funny testament to how Grant is because it's just the ridiculousness of who he is. Like it, it, it's such a fun, he's such a fun person. I feel lucky to not, not only know Grant, but really just to, to, to have spent so much time, you know, with Grant and, and, and I know he's really close with my brother and his wife and, and, mm-hmm. and he's, you know, my, my brother and his wife have learned so much from him as a mentor, you know, and, mm-hmm. and yeah, huge to, to Grant greeter. To Grant yeah, Greeter. that's right. Grant. <laughs> to Grant Greeter, sir. Um, last question, yeah. and then we can go to ponytails, unless you have more stories, but that, that you really, it's up to you. That's just oh, Grant wait. stories. Yeah. Um, was there ever a time, I wanted to ask you this, because you had a rough start to your summer. Was there ever a time where you thought about going home? They almost were like, I can't do this. I'm done. And then you stuck around or, or were you like solid all the way through? Like, do you have like a dirt pile story? Like a Dina Krosky, like, oh, I almost quit, but then I didn't type of story. I think it was screaming at the cat. I mean, that, that, that was <laughs> like talking to a cat. I mean, like, uh, that was desperate. <laughs> I was desperate. And maybe going a little no, I really didn't. I didn't, I didn't follow the thought all the way through. I still had anxiety though. Like a, a, a great amount of fear of, um, not being able to fit all those pieces together. So if I did quit, I'd have to find a ride home. If I found a ride home, what would I do when I arrived back home? I'd have to explain myself. I didn't have a car. Where would I go? Where would I be? You know, so there's a lot of things there. Would I go back to my college town? Would I go back to mom and dad's house? So to me, I didn't, I didn't roll the tape out far enough to act on it, but yeah, I did not want to be there. And I did not want to do a lot of the things. Um, but I just, I didn't have, uh, I didn't roll the tape out enough in my brain to follow through on anything. Um, wow. and I was just scared. I was just scared. I just went to work cause I was scared. I didn't know how to pay for school. That, and that's, and that's such a, I mean, a motivator, right? But have you found that even having that mentality of like not giving up on things 
where where else in your life do you feel like that's really impacted you? Where, where has it come in the most handy? That 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 lesson of like, hey, no matter how hard it seems to get, I'm not quitting on this. Where, where, where I guess, what can you? You know, I that? think it's I think some of that has worked against me. To be honest, I think I've I've stayed oh. I've stayed along in things that I should have gotten out of a lot sooner because of the endurance that I've I've uh, the southwestern system has put me into. Um, and, and some of that could be in bad relationships or in a bad business deal, you know, um, just trying to grip my, grip my teeth through it. Uh, I, I like that mentality, but I do think that there's a, there is a gain and a loss part of it. Um, I, I think there was a part of my, um, my experience in, in consulting when I was, uh, when I was, I did that too long, like that. I wasn't making money. Uh, the clients were far and few between. Uh, but I was just like, I'll keep my head down and keep on working and go on to the next client, keep on trying to get another client. And when I, when I looked into real estate, I was like, wait, I'm working my tail off over here. Why not? <clears throat> why not pick up what's the torch that's been laid down in real estate and, and take over? So I, I think that's, I, I think the discernment is really hard. Like I, I, I think it's worked against me more than it's been to my favor. And that's just my personality. I think that's super interesting. So is there any wisdom that you would, that you would like now that you're here, it's 2022, you've gone through the things you've gone through, you've gone through, you know, in, in your professional life, the, the, in real estate, you've gone through the 08 crash, right? You've gone through, you mentioned a divorce, you mentioned, mm -hmm. you know, failing another business and, and listen, by the way, divorce is, the hard, marriage is so hard. Like my, my parents, we moved countries, learn languages, change cultures. My parents are divorced and the child of divorce. Mm -hmm. they, mm -hmm. It was easier to move to another country, learn a language, become a citizen mm. than it was to maintain that. <laughs> like that's how hard marriage is, right? Yeah. Um, oh, hard. It, 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 what, what would you like, I guess through that then based on that experience where you're like, okay, I learned how to stick through something that's hard. And then I learned that I sometimes I stick through things too much that it's actually a detriment. How, is there any wisdom that you could share as far as like how to about that discernment about like, when is it a good time to say, you know what, this is quitting and when is, versus this is healthy to stop doing this. Like what, what's, yeah. what's like, what's right. the line, I guess, in your, ex, in your well, experience. Some of that goes into bad habits, right? Like how do I like, um, Ooh. Uh, I, I think there's a part of Southwestern was it takes 21 days to form a good habit. Right. Um, and that, that to me was like, Hey, I'll grip my teeth for 21 days. I can do that. And that mentality is a good mentality, I think, because, hey, I can form that habit again. I can get back in, on track. Um, I just got my blood work back. Uh, uh, my doctor does a health assessment every year and my cholesterol is a lot higher and I got angry at myself. And I'm like, OK, I'm getting back into the fitness part. I'm going to do this, this and this and, you know, back off on whatever and food and watch over all these things. So, um but I will tell you a story that, you know, when, when I went to do that internship in, in Nashville in the, this was the winter of 93 and I didn't know if I was going to come back and sell again. So 93 was again, I just gotten back from Australia and I'm like, I don't know if I want to stay or go, or I don't know if I want to go in the real world. And Dan Moore and Lee McCroskey had created this little position at the headquarters to do, um, to do, um, again, a made up internship. They just created it so that I wouldn't go do something else. <laughs> so they gave me this little thing, but, 
but my degree was computer engineering. So they knew that I knew enough about how computers operated, how uh, their, their, their internet wasn't even available. So everything was PC based and, um, and maps were just starting to become on disks and they were getting some of that, some of that data to be able to capture, capture like a, a map digitally. And um, so when they created that role, I was like, hey, this is good. This will, I can live in Nashville. And I got lucky because Alex Bednar had gone on to recruit. Uh, he would he had moved on to another. Um, I can't remember what he was doing, but he was not in his apartment. And his roommate. Um, so basically, there was a vacant spot in Nashville where his roommate was working for SBR. And that relationship with uh, his roommate has changed my life. So. When I lived, Sean Lewis is, uh, have you heard that name? No, I don't know that. Maybe. Yeah. Honestly, I've heard so many names at this point that some of them stick, yeah. stick so with Sean, and some don't. Sean was out of the Bowling Green um, organization. I can't remember the name. Craig Buffkin, Craig Soder, all that, where that whole organization was part of. Um, and Sean, Sean was instrumental in a big team. Sandy, He married Sandy Matthews, which uh, she's now Sandy Lewis, and they live in Nashville. And so in that relationship, now that I'm in this apartment of a stranger, of a Southwestern guy I've never met before, um, uh, it formed one of the best relationships I've had in the book business. And Sean has pretty much transformed my life on the way I see um, people, um, my Christian walk. Um, And so when I was going through the, the hard times in divorce, I, you know, I... Oh, I formed a really good relationship with Sean and in that Sean and I just talked through it and, and, um, and, you know, he, he shared a little bit of where his struggles were and his relationships and that in the end of it, that's, that's what we're known for is how we treat the relationships of the people that are closest to us in this, in this planet. Right. And that's really our walk. And part of that, um, he shared an organization in Nashville that, um, deals with the psychology of it all. And so I ended up, I'm like, Hey, I'm going, I don't care. You know, uh, if you've gone through it, I'll go through it. And so, um, that to me, diving in on the psychological part of our makeups and how did I get myself where I was at? And, and, and it it helped me kind of see, it helped me kind of see who I am. Um, it's based on a book called voice of the heart, which is really good is where is my heart? in relation to how am I as a person and identifying what my heart's really saying when it's saying it. And, uh, and through that, you know, having this common language with Sean was just a, it was a great step in, in where, uh, crumbling a relationship on one side, but going to a focal point of a relationship that I could, could cherish, um, who Sean walked me through my my faith and and where I where I ended up in 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 a lot of ways, um, trying to decide the next path in my life at what age 20, uh, 24 in that apartment in Nashville. That was a very and then I ended up saying, hey, I'm going to recruit again, and I recruited at University of Iowa, and then uh, uh, and took an organization to Louisiana that summer. But I would say that part of that was, um, you know that common bond between two book people and Sean and I have similar, similar uh, personalities, 
but I had a genuine respect for who he was. He had a genuine respect for who I was, but he could see my weaknesses and, and, but yet wasn't just pointing them all out. And he had enough um, charisma to, to walk me through that. And, and so when I'm going through a hard time back in my marriage, I reach out to Sean and, and he steps in and like old faithful. And so it was, it was a big deal. That was a big deal in my walk. And, um, so that, that psychologically has affected how I see and see sales, like the way that I, I see my own heart, um, and how I connect with people is, is, is changed the way that I even see, um, the way I even operate in, in my organization and, and, and selling real estate is engaging with their heart first. It's a big, it's a big deal. Big jump. <laughs> Drop the mic. So, Jeez. yeah. If you haven't what heard you that like? book, I, I, it's a great uh, voice of the heart. Chip Dodd, um, Dr. Chip Dodd. It's a, it's amazing. He's there. He's got an organization there in Nashville and, and, um, is it was a big change in my walk. Um, in a lot of ways, the way I parent my kids, um, how I see commitment, like you're talking about dedication, perseverance, uh, it all starts with where was my heart in that and and that's and then that's how you got and that's how you dive through it it's pretty good Brilliant. it's good stuff that is some good yep. that is some good territory that is some good nuggets of wisdom right there yeah so this is what i love about this doing this experience is i feel like i'm the luckiest person in the conversation because i get to learn so much from different people doing so many mm -hmm. cool things and so mm -hmm. i want i thank you for sharing that mm -hmm. that was Thanks, man. That's Thank you. Good stuff. Yeah, very good. My goodness. Yeah. Now, okay. Now, 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 it might be time to switch into some ponytails. This is this might be a good spot. Are you? Is that okay? Is are you ready? Yeah. Or do you have some more like highlights from no, eight good. summers that went? Okay. That's good. Um, let me do a quick shout out again to some of our friends over. You can stay on for this one, or you can go. Do you need to use the restroom again or anything like that? Need to. I'm just. I'm just. I'm just liquefying. Pounding water. This is, yeah, I, I'm over here. I'm over here pounding Topo Chico hard seltzers. I wish hard So makes. where's your where's your beer? Wait, you don't have uh, beer okay. Yet? Here's the thing. Normally I drink beer. Sometimes I drink tequila or like some okay. hard liquor. It just kind of depends on the situation. Wait, but I want to be the brand. Where's the brand? Oh, uh, we're still working. So so okay. they they're getting it out to me. It's ship. The beer industry is. Man, there's some laws that have been around literally for a hundred, literally a hundred years oh, from see. like the pre prohibition era, where it's like even shipping beer across the country is really, really difficult legally to do. And so we're we're here because of the nature of what we do. We don't okay. want to leave any loose ends. Okay. Does that make sense? So what sense? are you gonna call like, it? Pony pony ears? What's the name of the um, beer? So pony so ponytails. Box. I don't know. It's it's the ponytails brew. So this, I'm glad you asked. If someone's listening and they're curious about this, this is actually a really good opportunity from a standpoint of joining our jog team. Because if you want to put your name of your company and or brand onto our beer, you're more than welcome to. So it'll be the ponytails wow. beer in general. But like if you want to own the IPA, so it, it could be called like the XYZ company. IPA. Real nice homes. IPA. Real nice homes IPA or something like that. There is opportunity out there to join into that ski, you know, to that into that into that realm. Really? Um, yeah. Yeah. Isn't it fun? Now, I now here's so. the thing. I mean, I've never thought about my brand on a bottle. That's kind of cool. Now, 
Now we'd have to ask Pat because you know conflict of interest. Oh no, no, yeah, not my brand. I'm just saying a brand. Yeah, a brand. Yeah, it's interesting, <laughs> isn't it? Now, on the other hand, I will say this too: Michelle Mitchell was on the show uh, back in uh, May, and she start. I, Michelle Mitchell's good friends with Roger Sipe. If you know Roger, you probably have met Michelle, but she's out mm-hmm. in Bend, Oregon, and she started this company called Hum Kombucha. So kombucha is a drink that they have here up in New England, and now it's this giant corporation, and then they're like. okay states and stuff but anyway they're coming out with a new one called unicorn kombucha and we're the pony tales podcast unicorn kombucha pony right like i was like michelle i think it's wrong if we don't somehow find a way (laughs) to make it that we drink your kombucha on the air so that's also kind of in the works and they she's going to be helping us with i i shouldn't speak too much for her but we've been in talks with her to kind of help us um or she's gonna at least point us in the right direction i should say at the very least if not more she wants to help us out but uh she's such a good human being um Mm -hmm. to kind of help us get it kind of get the distribution set up because the biggest issue is like the licensing when you go into the into the alcohol world especially beer brewing you got to get licensed both federally and statewide and then to even sell it or distribute you got to get so there's a lot of red tape and she's navigated that world and so i haven't been able yet to openly drink my our own beer here because i'm in oregon and it's nice. been brewed in, it's been brewed in Florida, but it. uh, we're figuring it out. We're figuring it out. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I, I'm drinking this hard seltzer for now. Uh, okay. It's working, but I needed to watch my calories because we're going to Bizzler, which by the way, please come to Bizzler. Oh yeah. Where's it at this time? Cancun. It's a first ever Cancun. What resort? It's going to be like uh, Valentin Imperial. It's like a really nicer high end oh, one. Oh, nice. Yeah. That sounds good. Yeah. Yeah, feel One free. Please come. Maya. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, we're hoping to have anywhere between, even if we only have like 20, 25 people, but if we have 100 people, like, I don't really know what to expect. To have, it's the first one, so I don't know. I can't say. But as many people as we have, even if it's a little bit or if it's a lot, honestly, it's going to be a lot of fun. So I'm excited. Where was your first? Cool where was your first? My first Sizzler was in, uh, uh, where was I? Cabo, Cabo St. Lucas. Okay. Good times. Okay. Rocky Beach wasn't the best beach, but it was a great resort. The Rio what Palace. What year is that? 2012. 2012, okay. 10 years ago. My and first 10 years ago, was, I was in some was town. Was Acapulco. That was my oh. first one in 89. That was Acapulco. Dang. What's your favorite sister you've been to? Gosh, they're all they're all good. Um, Puerto Vallarta was special because um, – they had just filmed uh, Predator <laughs> there, yes, and so that we got a lot of attention. But I've always liked everywhere Southwestern sent us. It was a treat. I mean, Cancun. Um, I, you know, I almost got arrested in almost every single Sizzler. So <laughs> they all have their own different memories on on how I evaded the police. That's the policia. <laughs> I feel like this is there's you got to give me at least one ponytail. I think we almost got arrested. Your favorite one. All right, let me give a quick shout out, and then we're gonna okay. jump into these ponytails because Sizzler stories are the best. Um, by the way, um, if if you want to stick around for some of these, one one shout out that we got to give out to is if you uh, I don't know if uh, nicely homes or you know. If you guys nice. have a yeah. real nice homes. That's what you're calling real nice homes. If you guys don't have How's, how's your website game as, as an entrepreneur in 2022, what have you learned about the importance of a website? Oh yeah. I mean, it's, it's more important than a, and a business card. 
because it's it's yeah. there. I mean, people are going to find it. You know, that, they're going to they're going to look you up. They're going to do some research. That's so. exactly right. So anybody out there listening, by the way, this could be you, Andrew, or anybody out there as an entrepreneur. We had ours done and designed by V Design Lee, and these guys were in Estonia. So instead of paying like twenty five grand to have all these integrations, mailing lists, all these cool things that happen, not just like a landing page, but like legit things that needed to happen, uh, we got these guys on board. They're awesome. Our store is available right now. If you guys are listening to this at this point, it's called the pony, the ponytailspodcast.com. You can go buy our merch. We got hoodies, t-shirts, a bunch of different stuff. You can get hats, baby gear. If you don't see it in there, become a fan, paid fans, get exclusive merch. What that, what, what that means is like, let's say you come up to you and go, Hey, I want a dog tag that says ponytails podcast or something very specific. We'll get it for you just because you're a paid fan. So go to their go to our store, check it out. And if you need a website that's designed like that with solid integrations, mailing lists, collecting information, like really good traffic SEO kind of stuff. This is where you guys want to go. They're Estonian. So you're paying a fraction of the price, but for a fantastic website, we're happy with what we got. They're beautiful uh, uh, as far as the designs go and they're really easy to work with. So get a hold cool. of us. Be design is a place. Uh, question number two, how high is your electric bill currently? Oh my. Is it's it fantastic. too high? Maybe it's, it's probably crazy, but if you, if you live in a place where you get a lot of sun, probably a lot. And so big shout out to check out this hat. Love the hat and my energy. Um, guys nice. right now. Yeah. Oh, well you would have been a little early, but Julio Hernandez was a DSM in the mid two thousands. I think he started in 2000. So you might've been, you guys might've missed each other by now, but he started and energy. Uh, they're in the solar industry and they're doing phenomenal things and moving huge, making huge waves out of Maryland and Florida and a bunch of different oh. States. If you guys are looking to do something a little different, uh, a sale every other week in solar earns you a six figure income and they are able to work with anybody in any state. So reach out to us. Nick Tiverti's working there. I worked there for a while. And of course, uh, Julio <laughs> Hernandez, Alex Black, who's been a former guest. These guys are crushing it. They're giant expansion happening right now. And of course, they're looking for more people, especially book people. So reach out to us. We'll get you in touch with them. I just, sold a, I just sold a house with solar panels on it. So it's kind of fun to yeah. see. Yeah. Yeah. It's different in it. It's a whole okay. different it it's a whole different game. It <laughs> yeah. It's a different game for sure. And then last but not least, uh, a quick shout out to Cardinal. Um last this is our <laughs> our last bit. We always give them a third shout out when uh you know, they are currently working to expand. So again, when they started with us about 2 months ago, they had about 27 book people in their in their team. They're currently at 31. Plus, they have several more in the pipeline that are going to get started over the next month or two. A few have heard about them through this podcast. Like this podcast is helping them grow their team, which is exciting. One of the main reasons that those alumni came on board with Cardinal is because both the culture and the selling system that they have set up. So um, they are doing really, really good stuff with mail-in leads, and they have pretty solid culture, a lot of really you know, camaraderie, the hands-on training, all that same stuff that we loved about Southwestern, but they remove all the bad parts. So there's no cold calling. There's no 80 hour work weeks. Uh, there is freedom. <laughs> on top of that, you can make a pretty good living 12 to 15 K a week working to 31 to 35 hours. So uh, we mentioned this before they're in a growth mode. They're looking to double in 2022. So if you guys want to find out why so many people are going towards cover right now that are from our show, go ahead and refer yourself to, or a friend. And we can't, can't promise you a job here on the show. We can't guarantee a job, but you can for sure get an interview. And there's a $500 referral bonus for uh, sending someone over. So 
that's uh that's all we got for you guys that's all the shout outs we have today now are you telling time. me you make 500 with one phone call yeah that's exactly what i'm saying yeah, if you know somebody who wants to go into insurance, let us know. Honestly, it's pretty cool because for us, it's great. We've gotten obviously there's there, we, we've gotten some bonus from our partnership because they have hired you? like multiple they've hired multiple people from just the leads from this show. Good idea. So that's a great yeah. way to recruit. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, awesome. we have this is what we tell our jockeys. Our jockeys are responsible. It's like, hey, we have the ear eyes and ears of several. I can't say exactly how many on air, but several thousand. Uh, wow book people cool. so what do you want to say to them <laughs> that's, that's the, right <laughs> that's, that's the right. idea um all right all right my brother so ponytails we have i have i feel like we have a couple of good ones i need a good sizzler one because you hinted at being almost arrested so i need a good avoided the policia i feel like that's a grande deal and yeah. uh means big deal for people listening and mm-hmm. um you know i know you know that but you know you never know and then right. you had another one earlier that you alluded to. I'm not exactly sure. So I know you got at least two, but the mic is yours. Go of ahead, Sizzler, sir. Of Sizzler Tales? Ponytails? Uh, I, I would love at least one Sizzler Tale, but there was one that you said earlier about like your host families going up to Kansas oh, City or yeah, something. Yeah. Or, yeah. Well, I, I think it's kind of special because they, um, my when I was selling in Louisiana, they um, there was this, uh, I, I really went street by street. So like I I didn't check off a neighborhood until I got everybody on the street, and this one house uh, for some reason I just kept going back to it, and um, when I first knocked on it the kids were home there was a babysitter there, and I was always smiling and laughing and I said okay I'll come back later when your parents are home, and so I'm always smiling laughing waving going on to the next house going down the street. Well, uh, so I come back when mom, when I see a car in the driveway and I see mom there and, um, and she's like, listen, I just got home. I got to get this done, this done. I don't have time. And I go, no big deal. And I'll run and laugh and laugh and laugh. So I laugh and I run away. Right. Don't even spend much time there. So I come back. So now it's at night. So now I'm coming to knock on the door or no, it's the next day. Sorry. Next day, knock on the door. And I go, hey, I thought I'd come back. And, and the kids are now calling me Mr. Laffy. So they're saying, Mr. Laffy's here. And so the mom's like, you won't believe this. My uh, washer just exploded. There's water all over my laundry room. The kids are, uh, you know, all over the place. I don't have time, but I want you to come back. And I'm like, no big deal. And I just wave and just run off. Well, now I'm in a different subdivision and now I got to keep on going back up to this house because I'm like, I want to, I want to meet this mom who's, who's, uh, you know, having a hard time, but, but they haven't said no. So I, you know, they, you know, I just keep on going back to this house and the kids are cute and she's got three daughters and it's mom. And, and so I show up another time and she's like, listen, I know. And the kids are like, Mr. Laffy's here. And then, you know, I'm on the front porch. They're just talking to me. They have no idea what I'm selling. All they know is Mr. Laffy's here. And um, uh, uh, Lindsay, Rachel, and Mindy. Okay. The the kids. I already know their names. I know what school they're in. I know their grades. Mom is awesome. And she goes, listen, I really want, <laughs> I really want my husband to be here. Why don't you come back? Make us your last house. We will, um, we want to see what you have. And I'm like, okay, yes. I'm coming back. And so I get, she goes, and I said, how about 930? Does that sound about right? 
Mickey, my last house. She goes, yeah. I go, 9.15, 9.30. So, and I can't remember. I'm having a good day or whatever. And I get there and I go to the house. Nobody's home. Dark as dark as night. She's like, she promised me she'd be home. So, I park my car and I uh, recline my seat. It's my last house, 9.15. And I recline and I wait for them. And I'm right outside their house and I snooze. I just start falling asleep. And I get a little tap on the window at 1030. And they're like, <laughs> like, hey. And I go, whoa, 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 I was waiting for you guys. And they go, come on in. And I go, okay. Nice. And so not 1030, I can't remember. I just, uh, um, we, I stayed at their house till 1215. Like I've never done this before. We were just chatting it up. They bought everything in my bag. They didn't even care what I had to say. I mean, we were just chiming it up. So. That was the summer of 1991, okay, Louisiana. Um, their daughter was a dancer, like just the school was in dance. Like, I'm going to do dance as my rehearsals with all that stuff they do, right? Um, she was such a good dancer. She was actually in the back. If you can think of Louisiana, what, what, what known singer in the early 90s was young from Louisiana, Britney Spears. So That's she right. was actually the same age around Britney Spears. So she was in the dancing backdrop of Britney Spears in the front. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. And so right about that time, uh, Britney was just starting to hit with the Disney stuff. So now I stay in touch with these guys, good friends, mom, her dad, uh, Chuck, and, and I go back to sell three summers later, north of Lake Pontchartrain, which is on the, that big lake up north of uh, New Orleans. And in that, I would go down there and I'd go spend some time with them on my free time. Like either after a Sunday, it's only a 20 minute drive. And I would go down there and we'd hang out, you know? Um, and I was selling north of the river, closer to Denham Springs and near uh, Baton Rouge. But uh, we spent a lot of time together. This That, that would have been the summer of 94. And, um, just grew this kinship, this friendship. Remember, uh, Mindy was in fifth grade. Lindsay was in second grade and Rachel was in high school. So they're kind of spread out. So this time, three years later, now Mindy's in fifth grade or Lindsay's in fifth grade. They're getting older. And, um, so then, uh, you know, I only sell two more summers after that. Nowhere near Louisiana. I go down for one trip, go visit them. And then Facebook starts hitting in and others. So we're like best friends on, on Facebook media. But since then her daughter goes to LSU, um, becomes a cheerleader there. They go to the national championship. Um, Katrina hits their whole fan. Yeah. The whole area I sold in is underwater, you know? So like, now I'm asking them to come up to Kansas city and spend time with me. So that whole, uh, to this day, um, Lindsay, that little second grader has been, um, all the way through college became a, uh, Louisiana cheerleader, then went and became a saints cheerleader. Um, now has two kids and is only like three houses down from what I knocked on and lives in the same neighborhood with her husband. No yep. way. I know. It's, so weird. <laughs> it's, it's awesome. So weird. 
Like if I knocked on their door today, I'd be Mr. Laffy again. It would be the, it's just so cool to watch their life grow and change and all the stuff that's happened. Um, and they've opened a restaurant. It's pretty neat. It's a very neat uh, experience to have one relationship thrive out of all of those that you knock on those doors. You never know what's going to happen. Um, but that's I don't know. I just, pony. There's not very many. Big pony, but just a lot of neat people in that uh, that yeah. you don't think you're going to stay in touch. And if it yeah. wasn't something like Facebook or other stuff, probably wouldn't, to be honest. I mean, um, once the technology started um, coming into play, it became more and more likely that we'd stay in touch and and sure. see how their families develop. It's pretty cool. Sure. Uh, um, I I have a customer for my first summer that I still keep in touch with too. And it's so really? fun. I mean, I'm sure we all do. Yeah, I'm sure we all do. This guy was a sheriff and he was kind of, he wasn't sketched out, but he was a sheriff, right? So after I sold him, he still kind of wanted to check out I mean, some guy from Nebraska and upstate New York selling, you know, mm -hmm. and they're older and they found my parents and he sent them a note. I talked about this on the show before, but on Facebook, I have a picture somewhere of the note that he sent my mom. <laughs> no like, way your oh, cool. yeah oh yeah it was so fun yeah it's yeah. cool you still keep it he texted me when i got married and i posted on facebook that i got married and so he saw it and he sent me a message and he was like hey man like congratulations like have it's hope all cool. as well like this is amazing to you. I, mean, I, dude, I knocked on your door like what the hell like, yeah <laughs> so right. we met <laughs> so strange just out of you know out of that you wouldn't think any of that stuff would last kind of deal but um it does um you know i mean I, I, when I sold, when I sold that summer, they were filming JFK and mm. I lived in downtown New Orleans and Kevin Costner was filming like three blocks down from our house. And one of my, one of my book roommates was a cross country runner. So he would have to get up at like five o'clock so that he could get his five to 10 miles in and he would run by their filming site like every morning he'd run around where they were filming JFK and he'd come back and he'd say, Oh, I saw Gary sneeze. Oh, I saw so-and-so. Oh, I saw so-and-so. And we would have this whole thing going on. That whole summer was New Orleans was, was fascinating. And, um, you know, we had our Sunday meetings at the Riverside mall a couple of times and Sissy SpaceX was there. I mean, it was cool. That was a neat summer, like summer of 91 out of all the summer. So wild. And that I met so... great reader that summer. Yeah, <laughs> that's a legendary uh, summer, 91. <laughs> 91, yeah, a long time ago. Yeah. But um, All right, well, I got to have at least one Sizzler story and then we can wrap this one up. There's so many. Um, you Your know, favorite almost got arrested story. You know, when I was in Acapulco, I, I uh, that Kathy McGann was Nebraska. Um Sharon was part Sharon Lundquist. I think she was part of that group, but there was a handful of them that were, uh, we all just hung out together and, um, we went to the mall there in Acapulco. I haven't been back. I, I think they would whistle me down if they did. And I was a little bit, I had a, a few cervezas in me and it was probably only 10 30 in the morning, but we were at the mall and, uh, and I happened to just want to show off and, um, I go running up the down escalator. So the escalator's coming down. I go run up the down escalator in the mall and get all these people from Nebraska laughing at me. And, um, and, uh, all of a sudden I get to the top of the stairs. I'm exhausted. It was a lot of work to go up the down escalator. 
And um, all of a sudden, all I hear is whistles. Like they're chasing me. Oh, these, these police officers are all whistling and they're pointing at me at the top of the escalator. <laughs> and so they're all <laughs> laughing down. I got them all laughing. Well, now the police are like, they're triangulating the, from the balcony of the mall and they're chasing me. Like they're coming after me. And I don't know what to do. I'm like scared. So I go running into some clothing shop and, and I go and I get in inside the middle of the rack, almost like Paul Bart Mulcart. And I get into the middle of the rack so they can't see me. Well, now Kathy and the other ones are all trying to find me because they want to get the heck out of there because they're, they're going to get arrested. And I'm stuck in this one rack because if I move, they're going to find me. And I hear their darn whistles. That's the number one. If your police officer stop whistling, <laughs> they're still blowing their whistles and they're trying to find me. And I can hear them on the outside of the department store. And so, um, so, so then I see Kathy and I whisper to him, I'll go, guys, take them away, get them away from here. <laughs> I don't want to get arrested. And so, um, so then I see it opening and I'm like, okay, two of them are going down over here and two of them are going over here. There's like four mall cops. And I don't know why they're chasing me down, but all I know is that if I get into Mexican prison, I, it's over. Like I'm not going yeah, to get into Mexico. <laughs> and so I see them, they separate and the escalator's right in the middle. And I just bolt for the down escalator and I, I ride it down as fast as I can. And I don't, I don't even look back. Like, I just don't want to get caught. And I run straight out of the mall. Um, and then I hide. <laughs> There's no cell phones. There's no way to reach uh, my friends in the mall. Like, I, they have no idea where I'm at. And um, and it's, 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 it's not like I'm in a familiar place. Like, I don't even know where hiding would be good. This is the first time I, as I was 18... And I leave Kansas for the first time to go sell books. Well, this is the first time I leave the country. And I I was flabbergasted that they had AK-47s in front of banks. So then I was scared that, oh my gosh, what if there's a bank near the mall and they're just going to start shooting at me? So like, I'm <laughs> like just like so scared and naive that, that they're going to triangulate and find me. And uh, I obviously didn't get busted, but... Uh, um, I can't remember how I got out of that. And we, and I ended up rendezvousing with them really quick. I think I just watched the door and they ended up coming out of that mall. But um, that was pretty scary at 18 for sure. That's, I mean, I, I, yeah, we had a, we had a, our first sizzler, we had a person that almost got arrested. And I think one of us, one of us did get arrested, but it was even as a person just outside looking in, I'm like, damn, that's scary. Like I, oh, yeah. Mexican prison, man, that's good. That's different. No, there's no way you're getting out. No way. No way you're getting out. And it's so, different. Oh, you got to have, I mean, there goes your summer earnings. <laughs> right, right. You can get out, but there goes the your summer back. earnings. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. Yep. But I had plenty of book stories. I, I think I got arrested more than anybody in the book field. So I don't know if that's a bragging right or if it's <laughs> uh, just the number of summers I had. I don't know. But uh, but it's um, it's quite a trip. That's quite a trip. Uh, amazing. Oh, man. Damn. Yeah. Well, here's what we do. We can tell some more of those in Grant's episode because now I know I got a guy. I This is oh, yeah. too fun. We have to have you back with Grant Greeter because that's going to be yeah. blow the top off of this thing. 
I don't know if we almost got arrested in Australia or New Zealand, but on our trip, we had plenty of uh, <laughs> plenty of times where we did things that were probably not legal at that time <laughs> in foreign countries, and I'm glad oh, they spoke at all, so I could talk my way out of it. So, Grant yeah. Greeter and and Andrew Nicer, the two the two best friends anybody That's could right, have. Babe. That's right, That's right. Meow meow. <laughs> meow, meow. That's yeah. Meow, the meow, meow that's did okay. originate. The meow did originate in Australia. Just so you know, he knows. Meow. You're talking about like when, like you'd have like book kids be like meow. Grant's always meow. If 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 you don't if if you know Grant, he always meows. So it's like there's a meow for uh, every occasion, and uh, I don't know that's how right. um, how he does it. The conversation. Meow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or like I don't know if uh, you have a quick second, right? Meow, Mrs. Jones. Like you have to, you have to sneak it in to the approach. Like there's a, there's a meow. There's always a meow. Well, so that I'm going to tell you real quick, just so you know that the origination of that was Grant and I kept on checking out all the hot chicks as we were backpacking. Okay, and so it just got too obvious that we would go, Grant, there's a chick over there and we'd point right she's cute yeah we had to do it differently and i and i said okay here's our code i'll make a little meow sound and i'll tell you what time it is and so if i go meow three o'clock that means she's over there meow 12 o'clock and so that was his and i's internal communication uh while we're on this bus traveling through australia trying to find uh, a way to communicate to each other so we didn't look so like American. Beautiful. And for some reason, Just it never stopped. Beautiful. The meows uh, never stopped after that. That's beautiful. Now, now you know. In, in Spanish, we say, hey, someone's talking to you. <laughs> <laughs> someone's talking to you. What? Yeah. There you go. Where? <laughs> hey, Where? someone says. <laughs> Devlin. What? That's it. <laughs> oh, that's brilliant, man. Oh man, this is this has been fun. Look, we did yeah, two hours and fifty-two minutes. How, yeah, how's this it. been? Is it all right? We're okay. Yeah, did great. Did great. My my man, this has been mm-hmm. so fun. Okay, so a couple of things. One, thank you so much for being on here and sharing with us. This, sure. is, this has been. I love what I do, and this is this is what I I I'm constantly reminded of how lucky I am. So thank you. You're good at it. You're good at it. I, I appreciate that. I honestly can't do it. I, I, I think I had the gift of gab, which is good. That's why I'm this part of the team. But the whole operation is ran by uh, a total of six other people. And so they sure. couldn't do it without any of them. There's a production but, uh, for sure. Yeah. Yes, sir. My, no, dad, so hopefully my had a... dad was a disc jockey, just so you know. So that was my yeah. dad's profession. No, not that type of disc jockey. This, he was born in the 30s. So he was a, a disc jockey on the radio. Yeah. Yeah, uh, more of like a presenter, like taking you from one thing to another. Yeah, ah, I see. I see. Mm-hmm. I understand. That's like the OG DJ and a reporter. Like he was a reporter, a news reporter too. Yeah, so like a combination of all those. And Damn. so he did his own advertising. We we did our own advertising on the radio when we were kids. He had his own advertising agency. So that that's what ended up happening is he went into advertising after the DJ life. Hey, when you got the media and the eyeballs, advertising is the way to go. That's what yeah, we learned anyway. I know. Yeah, for sure. And I don't know why the term DJ changed into making the music. The DJ really just 
sent you in the direction of the music. You know, they just didn't uh, play him. So he was just really a presenter. And uh, you you do a really good job of uh, of controlling your voice and and directing the conversation and listening well. So you do a really good job at it. Yeah, Thank you, know. sir. That means yeah. a lot. Thank you so much. Yeah. I appreciate that. That's mm -hmm. really nice to hear. Um, yeah. Well, awesome, man. Well, this is so. This has been so fun. Uh, we'll we'll probably wrap it up here. Uh, sure. This has been a cool episode. Again, a uh, quick question: If people are in Kansas City, or if people want to get a hold of you to either sure. learn about how to be part of your team or how to like whatever, um, mm -hmm. what's the best way for them to get a hold of you? Was it? You know, any red carpet. Anytime, yeah, realnicehomes.com is my website. Real nice listings is all my houses I sell. Real Nice Estate is one of the houses I have right now that's on some land. Real Nice, uh, a Real Nice Home is a build job that I'm building right now with one of my clients. Um, but any of those, they can go and learn more about what I do and how we do it in Kansas City. But uh, now, buying or selling real estate is all we do. So Now, is it Real Nice as in like the actual word N-I-C-E or is it your last name? Is, no, it on screen there? It's already complicated, so I kept it simple. Real Nice Homes. Real like real estate, nice like me. And homes like what I sell. So, <laughs> you are pretty nice. Simple. I appreciate yeah. it. So if you guys have more questions about for Andrew, if you're looking to kind of get in or out of uh, real estate, if you want to buy or sell a home, if you're in the Kansas City area and you want to link up, um, mm -hmm. whatever sure. applies to you, make sure you reach out that way. Real Nice Homes is probably uh, realnicehomes.com and you can find a contact us form. It'll get you to Andrew. That'll get uh, to me. Man, thank yeah. you. Thank you yep. so much. Uh, we'll wrap this one up. Guys, thank you so much. We'll keep an eye out. And uh, do the rest of July, uh, we have Roger Smith coming up as well. And then Dustin oh, I like Roger. Yeah. yeah Roger's I've awesome. actually hosted several of his kids at my house. His territory, he always picks up here. So I've hosted oh, nice. Roger Smith's crews from North Carolina. <laughs> He's a good guy. I like Roger. A lot. He is a good guy. So yeah. yeah, so he'll be on the he'll be in in July, and then of course Dustin Hillis is going to be on in September. So keep an eye out for that episode as well. A couple of the big names: Grant, Greeter, and Andrew are going to have to come back and visit. So keep on eye out for that. And of course Lee and uh, JT Olson. So on that oh, note, my name is Andres Gamboa. We'll see you guys later. 